It is the 8th day of September 2022, and what a day it is, because we've got a great guest, a rescheduled guest, so I, d- I barely had to do any work for tonight's show, just a little bit of, th- you know, this and that, because I already had so much confidence in what we were going to talk about, and, uh, and then of course the world is providing its own headlines, its own headlines, you know, that the, uh, about the Queen of England, yeah, the Queen of England, the Queen of England is no longer with us. We'll talk about that in just a second, but that's all we're gonna we're gonna spend on it tonight because all I'm going to be doing is sitting back and looking at all of the numerological breakdowns that are I, I can collect, all of the deocculting, and I, I I love I love when people start playing with numbers and dates and and history and um, especially when it comes to projections of power transfer and and what the the future is shaping up to be and what moves may be coming our way i love all that especially this time of year everything is spooky and it just gets spookier but that's where we are right now it's a thursday night the eighth and we'll get to jay gulanello right after the intro i have some things to take care of first we're gonna be talking about milk bee pollen beef liver the testosterone crisis as we have come to know it and, uh, and also, I don't know what else. I mean, there, there's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot to do, including a little bit on these researchers who grow supposedly synthetic embryos with brains and beating hearts out of nowhere. What is that all about? Nonsense. But I want to thank my sponsor, BlueMonsterPrep.com. For being on with us tonight and many other nights during the year, go to BlueMonsterPrep.com to prepare for anything that you can during the time that the, uh, I don't know what, what they're going to have to do to, what rituals they're going to have to embark on to put the queen's soul into a new body, but it might, <laughs> it, it might cause collateral damage and you may need food. So go to BlueMonsterPrep.com, water filtration, communication. It's the most important things to have when everybody else is scrambling around looking for something to latch onto for a little bit of confidence. So use promo code FRANKLY, and if you don't know where to start, the best place to start is by contacting Pat and Gina through the website. They are Franklys. This is a very, very intimate relationship we have. 
and uh, they love the members of the audience because they are members of the audience so go and do that okay i also want to encourage because we've, a lot of people have been sending in their uh, information you can still get in on the september aurora second year old postcard special just like last year only i think it's gonna be a lot easier because she's going to actually take uh, a lot of joy in scribbling on all these postcards which lauren is making custom with a picture of aurora on from our trip to the aquarium so uh, if you'd like to be in on this, then all you have to do is go to PayPal, not the Super Chats, the PayPal, and make any kind of a PayPal contribution to the show. doesn't matter how big, how small, but all you have to do is just add your address into the note section of the contribution, and we'll take care of the rest. Uh, that is going to go on until the 14th, until her birthday, next Wednesday, because then we, we need time to actually send it out and have it not be October. So... You have six more days. Make it count. All right, Corey Daniel will be on with us tomorrow, the Phoenix Enigma. We'll be talking about desert legends and anomalies, uh, the Lost Dutchman's Gold, uh, Skinwalkers, all of that. But he may have some thoughts about the, the Queen's death as well, so that might be fun. And don't forget, Saturday night, 10 o'clock, Andrew Basiago, American lawyer, writer, public speaker. He's a media personality and a presidential candidate at one point. Best known for serving as a U.S. chrononaut. That is a time astronaut in Project Pegasus during the advent of time travel and as a U.S. astronaut in Project Mars during the emergence of interplanetary exploration via jump rooms. This is going to be a great Saturday night. So I hope you leave all of your pretense at the door take your shoes and your pants off pack yourself something nice and green and just take a ride with us because that's what we're going to be doing saturday then next week we kick it off with jason Burmis on the 12th we'll be talking about uh the the legendary loose change that he created years ago about the 11th so there's that all right into the grab bag we go because i don't want to leave jay gulanella waiting it's the last thing you want to do with a nutritionist you don't want to leave them waiting. They're liable to give you some bad advice. All right, so first thing up, of course, as you know, is the queen. She did. That's right. JLP said it best. She did. She did. Um, good night, ma'am. The queen dies peacefully at age 96 after 70 years of remarkable service, leaving Britain and the world in mourning. This is from the sun. Um, now, one thing I will say, because there's not much I, what can you say, is that the Brits are masters of ceremony and pomp and circumstance. So we are in for one hell of a television production. It's gonna be one hell of a show. Uh, as far as everything else goes, how much did she know of people like Jimmy Savile making a second home of Buckingham Palace with her weirdo sons, uh, one of whom is going to be king for not too long. He'll be a little bit of a, uh, uh, a, a, a st stepping stone, but I don't know. We will we will check this out. The weird thing about this is this. Well, it's not so much weird. It's a little bit more astonishing. Apparently, this was this was yesterday. This was the Queen yesterday. She died today. This was her yesterday. 
made up. Obviously, she probably had to get be uh, on her feet with the help of other people. She has the cane. She's dying of bone cancer, but I, un I understand that when you're that old and when you're sick with such a serious disease as bone cancer at 96, that downturns can happen at any moment and fast, but it's just so weird to see her on her feet like that and then gone the next day, just gone. So, um, putting that out there. And a couple other things as far as other people's breakdowns and observations from this from an astrological standpoint, uh, numerology, everything else, I went to check out what Robert Phoenix and other people were saying. And Robert Phoenix, as well as some observations on the Secret Sun, Secret Sun blog, here's a few little tidbits he put out there. He said it was 333 weeks between the death of Prince, that was April 21st, 2016, the Queen's birthday to the Queen's death. That, and also in the year 1,333 BC, King Tut inherits the throne from Akhenaten. In 333 BC, Alexander the Great conquers Persia. 333 is connected to transitions of power. See William. Another thing it says uh, that Robert Phoenix says is, here's another one. In 333 AD, Flavius Julius Constans, the youngest son of Constantine I, is made Caesar at Constantinople. So more transitions of power, uh, transitions and power and all that stuff. So there's just a little tidbit. I'm sure Clyde Lewis is going to do something on it. Ryan Gable will probably be on doing that. Uh, like I said, we'll see what Corey Daniel has for us tomorrow. If anything, who knows? All right, um, putting that behind us. I have a couple of things. This one made me feel great. Um, Disney Plus put out another remake of a classic. This one, Pinocchio. And it is a live-action remake starring Tom Hanks as Geppetto. This guy just cannot stay away. He just cannot stay away. Um, he's, he has to play every last damn role there is to play. But in either case, it, it has been, been getting such amazingly terrible reviews. I wanted to read it to you because it made me feel happy in a day that was very uh, stressful, to say the least. I'll talk about why in a little bit. Here's from The Telegraph. Tom Hanks Pinocchio is a soulless, cynical, wooden nightmare. <laughs> That's the headline. The recreation of this 1940 masterpiece, courtesy of Robert Zemeckis, is an insult to its memory and a dead-eyed exercise in box ticking. When Gus Van Sant directed a shot-by-shot -shot replica of Psycho in 1998, the exercise was widely decried as a fatuous cash-in. Uh, perhaps if he'd waited 20 more years, he would have been, he would have been hailed a marketing genius. Disney's latest live-action remake of a classic from the studio's animation vaults even looks like a business calculation before you press play. Rather than playing in theaters, it's going straight online as a free-to-view enticement to Disney Plus subscribers. The company has been criticized for releasing films directly onto their streaming service. The sheer hawkish expediency of it seemed uh, to reduce the ravishingly crafted likes of Pixar's soul and turning red. To mere time passing content. Soul and turning red. Yeah, well, I heard a lot of other bad things about turning red. But to hell with all that shit. 
but content is the only is the only appropriate term for this garish, dead-eyed exercise, which recreates the 1940 masterpiece, largely scene for scene, albeit with a handful of instantly forgettable minor detours. Pinocchio is now assisted on and off by a young female puppeteer slash ballerina, of course. Um, for instance, presumably to help redress the story's gender balance. Yeah, gotta inject some, uh, some gender equality, right? Previous entries in this series have varied in their degree of reverence. Bill Condon's Beauty and the Beast, one of the more faithful, uh, one of the more faithful, remains the pick of the bunch, but here it can't be overstressed just how badly the do-it-again but photoreal approach backfires. The design of Pinocchio himself is so soullessly close to the original, he doesn't even look like a puppet, but a piece of official Disney Pinocchio merchandise. It's true, I saw the coming attractions just because I wanted to see a little bit of action here, and it actually looks like it's just the cartoon. On the other hand, as for the supporting characters, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's Jiminy Cricket looks 90% more like a real cricket, therefore 900% less charming. It's just... And you think, and then I went and I checked it out. And said, "Ugh, oh my gosh!" I mean, you—you've got to humanize Jiminy Cricket, or else it is just a giant singing bug, and it's just—it's horrifying. God, they're so stupid. I hate them all. I hate them. The few humans, of course, included Woodcarver Geppetto, a role which gives Tom Hanks little to do beyond recycle his accent from Elvis. He was in Elvis too. I hate them! And the wicked impresario Stromboli, uh, Giuseppe Battiston. Uh, Imagine Jim Broadbent from Moulin Rouge after he'd been kicked through a hedge. Wow. I mean, it, I mean, it goes on. There's one, one last uh, paragraph. Robert Zemeckis, who should be well above this, imprints a bit of personality in his nightmare exactly twice. Once in the opening sequence in Geppetto's workshop, did Disney just choose the Back to the Future director because the film opens on a wall of clocks? Oh. And later on a rattlingly manic tour of Pleasure Island. Though, note, we're now repeatedly told those frothy beverages are just alcohol-free root beer, and any signs of cigars have, of course, been snuffed out. A critic who gave this two stars would soon find themselves sporting a nose the size of a giant sequoia. Any more, and they'd be risk making, uh, and they'd risk being mistaken for the shard. So there you have it. I thought that that was very. Oh, jeez, I did not mean to do that. Uh, so I wanted to put that out there because I just thought it was funny. It made me feel good. And here's one last thing to make you all feel good. I have a few entries before we go to our our official intro. A few entries from some of the ladies out there and quite frankly, land. I said last night, what do you think New York Governor Kathy Hochul smells like? What kind of terrible perfume has she or good perfume that she has completely overdone? Smells like, because I she she seems like the type of woman that would walk by you in a funeral home for a wake, and just you go whoa, you know, which is oddly nostalgic for me now, oddly nostalgic for me, um, just feel just a, a big comet of cheap perfume going by me 
it it uh, it makes me nostalgic for being on the other side of the grave, just because I you smell it so much in funeral homes when everybody comes to pay their respects. Uh, it's the little things that make you grateful to be alive, even though when you're trapped in a room with it. Uh, anyway, here's what I have from Sharon. Sharon wrote in says, "Hello, Frank. Today you asked about perfumes on your show. White white shoulders or red door." might be possibilities both are old lady perfumes that are overly strong i have not i have not uh i've not smelled them but i'm, I'm gonna have to go try them now uh elizabeth writes in says frank the name is taboo t-a-b-u that flavor is old and stinks to high heaven diana also writes in says frank as for beaver hokel's perfume choice my guess is this Jean Nate very in character trashy and cheap now I know Jean Nate because when I was stocking shelves at uh, my local pharmacy that I was at all throughout high school and college or almost all throughout a little bit of time off here and there but Jean Nate was always there the 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 the, uh, the body splashes and all that stuff nobody would ever buy it I guess its heyday was the 70s and the 80s. In fact, I found a throwback 1984 um, commercial right here. You want to check it out? Here you go. Jean Nate after bath splash is for people who want to take charge of their life. It makes your body and your mind so fresh, so new. You get the feeling there's nothing you can't First of all, she just put so much on. You saw that, Jay? Oh, my. Jean and now she's riding a, a racehorse. Uh, she's a jockey, and I guess I guess she's winning the race because all the horses around her are parting because they can't stand the smell. There you go. Is she the Gina Tay type? Don't give her perfume. Give her Gina Tay. All of it. What a splash. You know what? I would oh, bring me. I, I. It was still a year before I was born, but I would do anything to just jump into that commercial and live in that world for a couple of weeks. You know what I mean? All right. Well, we'll be right back to start the show off. It's going to be another great show of the world, our institutions, uh, what's going on inside of our bodies, things you may or may not have known. Uh, we have been benefiting so much from these conversations. I can't wait to do it again. And we have just a guy to talk to. And um, don't go anywhere. We are going to be right back. Can somebody tell me what kind of a world we live in where a man dressed up as a bat gets all of my press? This town needs an enema. You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay?
Hey, well, if you're on, uh, if you're in Europe or Africa, we are somewhere beyond the sea. Though we're hiding behind Long Island, we don't actually get the seawater. We just get the, um, we just get all the, uh, all the, I don't know, the abused, <laughs> trapped water in between Long Island and Westchester and Fairfield counties. Anyway, here we are, and if you're over there, you're beyond the scene for us. But we have a lot of great things to do here tonight, and I can't wait to introduce our based nutritionist, perpetualhealth.co, Jay Gulanello. Jay, welcome back to the show, man. Thanks for having me, Frank. It's a pleasure to be back. Oh, it's always everybody's always happy when you come on, because I think, as I said in the opening, that we're always learning something. And I know I have been putting things to use and as a test subject, because I can't just be here facilitating a conversation and not trying some shit. Let me just give you a little bit of update for me. You were, uh, you helped me around, you know, I think it was our December meetup here. I said, okay, I want to try to get some fasting in and I want to do something with my, to better organize my eating windows in the new year. And in, um, in January, I tried twice to start fasting, and the first night was so horrible. I remember waking up at like 2.30 in the morning, and I had to have a, a bowl of cereal. I felt like I had this pit in my stomach. The hormones were like, eat, you son of a bitch. I remember the text. Oh, I know. I said, I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> but finally, it happened. And then from about January to maybe about late April, early May is when I really, right around early May is when I really started finding my groove as far as what I'm eating, how I am bridging one meal, one snack to the next, concentrating on saturated fat, meat, animal proteins, um, uh, anything that is just lean, uh, the cottage cheeses, the beef liver tablets, everything. And from about May or mid-May to June to right now, I can say that starting off in January at around 202 pounds, I am, as of today, 188. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. It really is. And um, How do you feel? I feel great. I really yeah. do. And I, you know, I have less anxiety during the day because when I had no coordination of how I was eating, then it was just, uh, you know, I'm sitting down, I'm writing the show, two and a half hours goes by, and I instinctively say... I should probably have something to eat, right. and I don't go. I don't have anything planned. I don't have any kind of anything in mind. So I'm grabbing. I'm grazing. I'm grabbing things. There's no rhyme to it. There's no consistency. And that was. I'm not an overeater. I was actually right. undereating. Yeah. So. I mean, that's. It's actually not hard to do when you're only grazing, right? If you're not sitting down to have a real planned out, robust meal. So what's interesting to me hearing that is that I think everybody's different. So some people take to that kind of. Uh, intermittent fasting or condensed eating window lifestyle, you know, pretty easily. I was the kind of person, it took me just a couple of weeks because I was always a natural faster. So, so let me ask you this question because I, it just dawned on me as you were saying this, <clears throat> I, I tell people it can take as little as three weeks, but it can take six months for the metabolic machinery to upregulate to essentially you're switching fuel sources. You're, yeah. you're, you're telling the body, you know, perhaps the last time your body was using its own fat stores as fuel was, was when you were a baby, although babies are in ketosis. Um, it's actually very hard to kick them out of ketosis, which is a state that generally is associated with uh, fat metabolism. So my question would be, were you always a person who, say you were to exercise, would you choose 
Would you always have something to eat? Like if you were to go out for a run or if you were to play sports, were you the kind of person who didn't do well if you ate or did you do better if you sort of, you know? If I had a, if I had a light carb before uh, an exercise or going out and working out or anything like it, whether it be a, a half an apple mm-hmm. or some apple sauce, just any, anything like that, I, I would do all right. Mm-hmm. A full breakfast... No, okay. no, no, no. So it, it would be if it was just going to be something light, then maybe something like that. But if I, I, I have seen too many people lose their breakfast <laughs> to not everyone, and I've, I've actually been the cause of that for a lot of people too. So I, yeah, it's just too, too much. I, I would rather just expend myself and eat afterwards as a, as a, a reward. Okay. But again, can, the last time you and I spoke, we talked about the fabled forty-five minute to an hour right. eating window post-workout especially resistance for protein synthesis and mm-hmm. i don't know I, I the way i've done it now is I, when my eating starts around 2 p.m i work out around 125 and i finish up around two o'clock and then it's just time to eat so sure. it i i feel like i just r- ring myself out and there you go yeah, it's curious to me. I mean, I would have thought then that you maybe were a person who would take to fasting a little easier. But I think the ultimate determinant of that is is how much your diet over the years has changed. You know, if you're a person who's primarily burning or utilizing glucose, sugar, for fuel, it's going to be harder for you to become someone who adapts to fasting. But I've yet to meet anybody that can't do it. And so I just think it's it's a really... It's an important testament for, for you, for your audience to understand that when you implement changes, especially these kind of metabolic changes, it's not, uh, we sort of have that paradigm of a pill creates uh, a reaction and it's almost instantaneous. When it comes to anything, especially nutrition related, um, it can often take time. And so you experienced that and you said, you know, you started in January, but you really didn't hit your stride until maybe May. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's not, that's not unusual. And so my message to people is stick with it. Don't give up, find something that will work for you. It'll be uncomfortable at first. Sure. Because I actually had a client this morning say, you know, should I be hungry? And it was a hard question to answer because hunger is, if it's driven by blood sugar, you're going to have to be hungry for a while because that's not natural. If it's driven by hormones, you can actually you can actually alter that. If you eat the same time every single day, your hunger hormones will start to learn that and tell you, even if you're not actually hungry, that, hey, it's time to eat. We always eat at this time. So it's just very interesting to me in trying to navigate that with people, but just letting them know that we got to retrain some hormones. It may be a little uncomfortable at first, but the answer ultimately is no. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be rabidly hungry. You should just be ready to eat is what I always say. Like when I'm ready to break a fast, for instance, right now I'm 20, let's see, 3 o'clock. So I'm 28 hours fasted because it just didn't work for me to make a meal. I was traveling yesterday, got, got in late. I had a lot to do this morning work and then traveling up here. So I just, I just decided not to. I, I I, I prioritize my workout instead of food. So you haven't eaten since <clears throat> Tuesday? What's today? Oh, no, no. So wh- Wednesday. I ate Wednesday in the afternoon okay. at about 3 o'clock. All right, all right. And now, and so, and I'll eat, and I have an interview tomorrow, so, and that won't be done till 3, 4, so I'll eat after that. So it'll be 48 hours. Perfectly fine. No, there's no, I could eat right now, but I'm not in any way, shape, or form thinking, what am I going to do for the next two hours? How am I going to, how am I going to, you know, secretly gnaw off my fingers while Frank's not watching? Yeah. You know, it's just not like that. So it's empowering. I think people should know that you can get there. And when you do get there, it changes your relationship with food and with health. 
I, and, I, and I gotta say, because some people ask me, I, I, you know, how much does it cost, or you know, how much is, has it impacted you financially? Uh, this has been easiest for me because it's once again, it costs nothing to say no. Right. Number one, and I was, I just learned to just say no and condense everything. And I'm living off of tuna fish, eggs. I have a, a protein shake that I really love that I inject into the middle of the day uh, from from Vince Gironda's company. So there's there's that cottage cheese and uh, tomato salads, things like that. It, it's really it's just all those things are are not that expensive, and I just buy a lot of it now. And I you know I do also have a couple of steaks a week now, and uh, and I I make that. I'm like, yes. I love having a reason. Like, yes, I got to have my vitamins, you know? And I just, the ribeye, come home, I ribeye it up. It is, it's, it's great. It truly is a vitamin. It's a multivitamin. Just, you know, eggs and uh, liver, as we're going to talk about, are truly nature's multivitamin. And they, you can subsist. I think I told you when I brought the pate in here um, prior to Thanksgiving, I think it was, that yeah. you, could, you could survive on this if you needed to. And when you see the nutrient profile, you'll understand why. Well, let me add, let me bring this up then, because about beef liver, uh, everybody, yeah, I, the people have noticed that I have the the capsules over here waiting for inter, because I at intermission <laughs> intermission I throw another uh, five capsules down just so there's just a little something coming in at, at every time of the of my the time that I, I eat, and I found this this article on nspnutrition.com, which is where I get a lot of my supplements, and it says this. The headline is beef liver. The perfect alternative to caffeine. I said, oh, I'm saving this for Jay. Because yeah. in today's stress-filled, fast-paced world, most people depend on some form of crutch to make it through the day. This often takes the form of coffee, one of the world's most consumed substances. Now this post is not meant to call anyone out for seeking a quick burst of energy. However, a far better option exists. Um, by the end of this post, it is our intent You'll recognize beef liver as a far better option for not only giving you energy boost, but also improving your standard of living. And it, it goes into how prolonged coffee use, energy depletion, insomnia, digestive issues, all that. But as far as be, uh, beef, without running through all this, we have you here. Um, why would you say that beef liver in particular could be this great substitute for energy? So that's a really interesting article. And... Uh, so let me see. I want to try to unpack this. So let me actually start with caffeine. So I think the difference between caffeine and something like beef liver is caffeine isn't really a direct energy producer. And I'll make it a real nutshell thing because I know we want to talk more about beef liver, but caffeine is an adenosine receptor agonist. So when we utilize energy, we go from ATP to ADP to AMP to adenosine. That's the ultimate molecule when energy is used that you're left with. Adenosine builds up in the brain. It attaches to adenosine receptors, and that sort of starts that process of becoming drowsy. It's almost like, well, we've used up all the energy we have. Time to go to bed and reset for the morning. So what caffeine does, the caffeine molecule looks very, very similar molecularly to adenosine. So it fits into the adenosine receptors. So it blocks adenosine from doing its job. But because it's molecularly different, it doesn't have the same action as adenosine. So it can't make you drowsy. So it, it's almost a, uh, by not by default, it's, it's, it's sort of just like an equal and opposite reaction. It's just not allowing adenosine to do its job. So it's not necessarily a direct stimulant, although I did find some interesting, and people will argue this, but 
I found some interesting research that says that it does, it can increase the effectiveness of the electron transport chain in the mitochondria. So again, without getting into the biochemistry, basically we, we've talked about mitochondria yeah. before, powerhouse of the cell. So some of the protein complexes that help shuttle electrons down the electron gradient to create energy are upregulated by caffeine. So it, it may actually be able to produce a, a little bit of energy, you know, indirectly, and then also uh, indirectly blocking the effect of adenosine. So that's how caffeine can give us energy, okay? Liver is a completely different story. Liver is a direct nutrient. It provides the macro and micro nutrients that we need to actually generate energy. So I think that's I think that's the distinction. That's probably why they're saying, you know, you can so so I found this old study that I wanted to talk about because it actually relates perfectly to this story. It was a study from 1975 done on rats. And so what they dubbed liver in this study was the anti-fatigue factor. And this is super cool. So, so they took three groups of rats. They gave one just was a control. One they gave B vitamins, and the other they gave liver. And I believe it was just liver capsules, uh, desiccated liver. It wasn't actually actual meat. It wasn't liver. That's what I have right here. The desecrated. Yeah, right yeah, the desiccated liver. So, so what they did was they put them in a in a you know these terrible animal experiments. <laughs> they basically threw them into a. a a pool that they couldn't climb out of so it was literally sink or sw sink or swim or sink or uh, swim or die um, and it was found that the control and the B vitamins uh, only lasted for a certain amount of time the liver group swam six times longer before giving up some of the rats 46 times longer and the rats fed the liver were still swimming vigorously at the end of the two hours when the test was terminated Jeez. so, and so some survived yeah, absolutely. The the liver ones survived. And the the scientists still to this day say they have yet to determine what prevented the rats from becoming exhausted. So that's first of all it's pretty cool that we have nutrients in something like liver that we still don't understand how they work. But from from my perspective, you you know, B vitamins are critical in energy production for sure. But liver also provides substrate. So you're talking about something that can affect almost every aspect of energy production in the body in terms of input, in terms of food input. So similar to eggs, uh, which I would love to see, I would love to see eggs in that, in that trial as well, but liver has an anti-fatigue factor. So that study was done a very, very long time ago before either you or I were born, but it's pretty cool that we still don't know exactly why those rats survived. But to me, it makes perfect sense when you look at the micronutrients in liver. It contains almost everything uh, over most other foods. Wow. Most other foods considered superfoods, right? I mean, I, 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 always, I always laugh when you talk about things like kale as a superfood. You look at beef liver, there's no comparison. No comparison. But... But, and I'm glad that we brought this up here too, and I'm glad that there is a section in this particular article that has this segment, this question, this big question to be answered. Why isn't beef liver a staple in American household diets? Mm -hmm. Now, the first thing that they say is 100% yes, taste. Let's face it, they say majority of Americans have a sweet tooth. Many folks don't find the taste of beef liver to be great. To many other people, it's weird. Uh, it's strong, and to others, it's downright horrible. Now, aside from the the taste, because you know, there's ways that you can doll it up. That pate that you made for me was fantastic. Uh, I 
I, I take these these pills to to just keep some some kind of the benefits in my life. Though I know you would probably say we got to get you eating the actual organ, Frank. <laughs> but the other thing I have to I would love to open up the door for you to talk about now is the bigger thing than taste. And you brought it up with several other topics as it pertains to um, government endorsed nutritional <laughs> guidelines. <laughs> Government, central government endorsed nutritional guidelines. There is a pointed mission, it seems, to keep Americans on the most unbalanced diets that you can possibly conceive of, uh, which obviously feeds their terrible health care systems and everything else. Um, t- tell, tell us a little bit about this new, this new food compass and everything else that's going into this White House presentation that's coming up later on this month. Okay, so this is a big one. Um, yeah, the 28th of September, uh, the Biden administration is hosting something called the Conference on Hunger, Nutrition, and Health. So it sounds fantastic. Yeah. So this is going to be run by the dean of the uh, Tufts Friedman School of Nutrition. His name is uh, Darius Mozafarian. Just a little side note, that was almost the school that I went to. Uh, for my master's. Um, Tufts? Yeah, it was between them and, and where I ended up. And uh, <laughs> after under- sort of unpacking this, you'll understand why I probably would have been kicked out. Um, <laughs> so so I just want to give you a... So this is in 2021, very sort of unceremoniously, uh, Mozafarian created this thing called the food compass. And what they define the food compass as is it's a nutrient profiling system developed over a three-year period that incorporates cutting-edge science on how to characterize foods positively or negatively and how they impact health that sounds absolutely fantastic are you on board with that i mean i'm i'm totally on board with that yeah yeah well i'm on board with the idea of free health (laughs) care as well but but we know yeah (laughs) but there's got to be a catch so let's look a little deeper um so and mozafarian is pretty well respected in the field which is why this was to me, this was particularly alarming. Um, in 2018, just to give you a little background, he, he, he wrote another paper, and, and I'm going to quote this paper because this may give you an, an understanding of why he's being charged with running this conference on hunger, nutrition, and health that's you know put on by the Biden administration. Uh, he wrote in a paper in, in 2018, strong government policy is essential to help achieve a healthy, profitable, equitable, and sustainable food system that benefits all. So I just wanted to give that as a background because you want to understand a little bit where this guy's coming from. He is all for government-endorsed nutrition. And again, him and I would 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 be at odds because I am the complete opposite. I think every time, in in historically speaking, every time the government gets involved with nutrition, it's a complete failure. You can look at disease rates, obesity rates. They have skyrocketed ever since the 1970s and 80s with the implementation of the low-fat diet and the dietary guidelines. And and that's a whole other podcast, Frank. I'm telling you, we could talk about the inception of these things. The nutritionists that worked on the the food pyramid were beside themselves once it got actually handed over and how it was changed due to industry influence. Well, speaking of the pyramid, let's look at this new food compass because what you sent me is incredible. It's disturbing. Uh, It is. And and it is the new new food pyramid. You talked about the the pyramid in one of our first episodes together, right. but but now bring bring us through this. So this is the this is the rating system. Just some of the foods that they rated. Um, 
And I, I just I just want to draw your attention to the red at the bottom where you see ground beef. To be minimized. Yes. Um, so essentially this this you you can look, you know, you can screenshot it, you can look through it, you can actually look it up on the you know the paper itself, but the bottom line is here we have nearly seventy brand name cereals from General Mills, Kellogg's, and Post that are ranked twice as high as eggs cooked in butter. So these two natural foods, eggs and butter, you've got all of these cereal manufacturers, seventy of them ranked higher. You've got ice cream with nuts ranked higher than ground beef. You've got frosted mini wheats and Lucky Charms oh. ranked ho- over Lucky a whole charms. egg. It's half marshmallow. So let me let me just <laughs> let me just try to uh, yeah we're gonna try, we're gonna try to get through this. Um, so Nina Teicholz is a, is a she's a science journalist and she wrote a couple of fantastic books. And she sort of did an unpacking of this. And I, I just pulled a quote from an article she wrote about this. She said, what kind of dystopian world has nutrition science entered into whereby a university, a peer-reviewed journal, because this was published, and one of the field's most influential leaders legitimize advice telling the public to eat more Lucky Charms and fewer eggs? Oh. So that's, that, that's where we are. So I, I, I saw somebody in the chat room just said three-year-olds are rejoicing. <laughs> right. When, you, when, when your three-year-old throws a temper tantrum in the cereal aisle, now they have a scientific argument to back it up. They can cite the peer-reviewed research. The government says yeah. I need these lucky charms. Yeah. So, so to me, this is, you know, this is a bigger... and Oh, and so can I just give you a quick also a little side note to Mozafarian's funding because I always look at the funding when it comes to these people and... If you want to have a guess, I pulled this right from his CV. Okay. So I went direct to the source. I didn't look at an article. I didn't listen to what somebody was posting about, you know, who funded him. So it's it's what you would think. It's a, it's a variety of pharmaceutical manufacturers uh, and, uh, and food companies. But nestled nicely in there to the tune of almost a million dollars in the last two years was the Rockefeller Foundation. And since 2013, to the tune of over $5 million, he's been funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. I feel like, I feel like people are going to think I'm obsessed with Bill Gates because every time we talk about something, every time you ask me to look into something, every time I bring something to the show, I have to utter his name. But it's because he is everywhere. Everywhere. Everywhere that impacts your health directly, whether it's injectables, whether it's food, whether it's, you know, helping you determine, you know, I mean, you, you, you talk about confusing the public. This, if, if the White House takes this seriously, and I have no doubt, I mean, I, I'm, I'm assuming they would. This is the first time in 50 years they've held a conference like this. So they're taking this very seriously. And, and in fact... You know, was the last time when the food pyramid was published? Published? Like what? what like what? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I think so. I think uh, and and that those were Senate committee hearings and all kinds of things that happened then. And mm. again, I'm I'd be happy to go into a history lesson on that someday if people really want to dig into this. I have written scores on this uh, for for a few films and and things like that, and I just find it endlessly fascinating because I love history. But the administration has set a goal of ending hunger and increasing health healthy eating and physical activity in the United States by 2030. 2030 again, huh? Uh, so, the yeah. fewer, so the fewer Americans experience diet-related diseases such as diabetes, obesity, and hypertension. The conference will galvanize. Yeah, so it goes on from there. But the whole point is they, they have the full intent to implement this as health policy. And so what scares me is that we already have... So we see on this chart that ground beef is being vilified. In fact, again... Frosted mini wheats are three times healthier than ground beef, according to this chart. Right. The food compass. 
<laughs> Don't get lost in the woods with this compass, is my advice. I mean, we have the UN declaring meat as the world's biggest problem. Wow. With all the problems we have in the world right now, the UN thinks meat is the biggest one. That is frightening. And you have, I don't know if you heard this in the news, but the Dutch city of Harlem, spelled with two A's, uh, has become the first city in the world to ban meat advertisements in public. Well, I, you know, and it's incredible, incredible, because I, I said it again yesterday or yesterday or the day before, I forget when it was, when uh, Joe Biden, he went on one of his drug-fueled tirades <laughs> in public, and he said, and we beat pharma. What did that mean? I don't know what it meant. And <laughs> n- number one, because like I said, if it weren't for pharma, he wouldn't be able to stand. <laughs> and number two, number two, uh, I mean, they are pharma. I was just going to say that I'm having trouble distinguishing between the Biden administration and the pharmaceutical industry. Well, not and 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 but go into go into uh, media in, into yeah. advertising. Right. If you actually spend, if there was a reason why you had to turn the television on and watch cable for you know for one thing or another, you were curious about. Uh, if you are there for three, three advertising cycles, it is at least seventy-five percent drug ads. Yeah. Now, on the on the other hand, in this country, it has been illegal. I think for I don't know how many years now to 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 put up a, a Marlboro man. Mm-hmm. You can't find the Marlboro man anymore. Anymore, right. Camel Joe has been gone for it seems like twenty years now. Right. And uh, on, but now they're banning meat. Well, see, I mean, that, that sort of gives you a co- context because the World Health Organization classifies processed meat as, as the same level as a, I think it's a, I, I'm not sure if it's class one, but as a carcinogen similar to glyphosate. Meat? Yes. Yeah. Pro, pro, they say processed meat, I believe. I'm not sure. I, I don't want to misstate. I'm not sure if they include all meat or if it's just processed meat. But either way, it's not true. Either way, it's not the, the, the scientific evidence does not support that assertion. But that's that's what they say. So so you can see the level that we're going to. And I I can't help but think of. I, I, are you familiar with? Uh, I'm throwing this at you, but Yuri Bezmenov's yeah the, the, yeah the ideological subversion the the four stages. This reminds me of those four stages because to me, I even wrote this down as a as a as a quick note because I I just. Heard something the other day, and then I thought, wow, we're sort of living through that. You've got demoralization, so you've got meat is murder. You've got meatless Mondays in school, right? If you eat meat, you're some kind of a, a, a bad citizen, really. You've got destabilization, so you've got food plant issues, supply chain issues. You've got farmers being attacked by governments. Crisis is the next mode, right? So we've got the climate crisis. I mean, again, the UN says that meat is the biggest problem in the world. And then you've got normalization. Plant-based meats are everywhere. Politicians are all on board for this plant-based. I mean, it fits perfectly. The manipulation of the public when it comes to eating one of the healthiest foods on the planet, it falls right into those four categories. And we are smack dab in the middle of normalization right now. It, oh, yeah. it, when, 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 when a client comes to me and says, the first in the initial interview, they'll say, Oh, I'm, I'm really trying to do a lot of things to be healthy. I'm, I'm exercising. Um, I'm, I'm, I, I quit smoking if they had, or I quit drinking if they had. And the very next thing is, and I'm really cutting down on my red meat because it is ingrained in people. We hear it constantly. That it is, that it is bad for you. It's going to kill you and, and it's going to kill, it's going to destroy the planet. You are essentially killing grandma, wherever we heard that before. You know, that, that's just the same, the same old trick. It's the same old trick. You are a bad person. You are morally bankrupt if you choose this food. And, you know what's uh, funny? So. You know what's funny? Because we all grew up with that. And it never, it never stood in my way of having meat. But the way that I have, been, I have seen this 
going forward and how it's how it's um, you know evolved for me is that, for example, I would I don't know I would look at a steak with you know a beautifully marbleized porterhouse or something or ribeye and you have all that fat go beautiful salty fat it's just so good and, but at the same time I'm thinking okay well say goodbye to my arteries it's all done I mean that, that this is going to kill me there were I, commercials that that reinforced that exactly I mean they would have uh, it would almost be like the smoking commercials where yeah. they're like this is a heart and they're opening up an artery and like mm-hmm. there's this you know this mulch is coming out but now now since I've been reading and learning from you and everything else I have actually been avoiding things like hamburgers a little bit more but not because of the meat because the bun <laughs> because of the bun oh my god shit so every once in a while i, I will i'm gonna have it i'll have a hamburger with a bun and and throw everything on it and have a good mm-hmm. time but for the most part that's what i'm avoiding now yeah. I, I i i'll double up on the patties but i just um, it's not the meat it's what else you eat yeah you know it's uh and, and so many times and so just to clarify for people most of these studies almost all of these studies are epidemiological in nature. We've probably talked about that before, but that's where you basically observe an effect. And it and, and so you can make correlations, but as I always say, and I will go to my grave, I might actually have them put this on my gravestone, is correlation is not causation, right? So you, you just have to understand the quality of the evidence that's used to demonize red meat, and it just does not stand up to scientific rigor. And so um, it's just really important to understand that. In fact, most of the food frequency questionnaires that end up creating these correlations they will combine you should see some of the questions there was one that i saw from several years ago that if you had if you had meat on your pizza on your pizza which has what at least a dozen other ingredients <laughs> right i mean you the, so i mean but they would count they if you ate pizza with meat on it they would ca- they would put that in the category of red meat so that's so you've got grains in there, you've got dairy in there, you've got so many compounding variables, yet they somehow, in their infinite wisdom, pulled, oh, that's red meat. And, and the same thing with burger buns and things like that. So if you eat out at a fast food restaurant and you get a Coke and you get fries fried in vegetable oil and you get the burger with the bun and the, and the most likely non-organic produce that's full of glyphosate, oh, it's got to be the red meat that's killing you. Right. So you can't make, no serious scientist can make a causative claim from an epidemiological study. It's not designed for that. It's designed to test, to generate, and then further test hypotheses. So that's a huge problem in the nutrition field. And to me, this food compass is just further evidence that we are slipping further and further away from anything that resembles science, specifically in health, medicine, and nutrition. Well, then let's talk about something else. Uh, Another big, because we went from the uh, beef, liver, to the the food compass, to what's coming up, to that that uh, that very historic meeting at the White House coming up later on this month, <laughs> and then there is also, but we're talking a little bit more about uh, culture. We're talking about what we have been taking on, how it's been affecting us, how even though problems are, people are developing a lot of health problems, but they're being taken away from what real what real causes could be. They're taking away from any kind of logical process of elimination and just being given a whole bunch of state-sponsored shit, state-sponsored science at that. Um, One thing that is happening on a large scale that is being dubbed by many, no matter what their political affiliation is, because, of course, once they identify this problem, 
and they identify a global crisis thereof, they uh, all, of course, go to their respective sides of the gymnasium and they just sit down on top of whatever they think is the, the cause for it. They'll ignore things like the medicines that we, we take, the medicines we're forced to take, um, uh, any kind of environmental uh, situations, whatever. Uh, and it's, it's all culminating with one of the bigger crises we have right now in Western civilization, and that is the decline in testosterone levels. And, um, you know, it's known fact that there's this sharp decline in these levels across the West, but people are doing testosterone replacement now more and more. Uh, I've, I've had uh, members of this audience uh, email me about how their TRT, their replacement therapy is going and, and how, because it's real. And people are, it's there's something happening environmentally, whatever the hell it is. Now, clearly there are those factors, environmental factors, but what we're eating, drinking, um, but this is also psychologically an unforgiving culture when it comes to development of strong men and boys. Mm-hmm. And um, you can only be told that you're a worthless rapist so many <laughs> times before it affects you physically. There is, There has to be that too. Yeah. What would you say are... Um, how would you how would you address this in in your in your estimation what's going on how important it is to to address it and also natural ways to boost and maintain healthy testosterone levels if there are any yeah there's a lot and so you know hormone replacement therapy definitely not my field of expertise so you know i wouldn't what i would do from from my clinical perspective is I would want to get all the natural ducks in a row, so to speak, and then, you know, work with another practitioner who has experience in that field. So if somebody came to me wanting to talk about that, I would say, that's great. Let's, let's, let's keep that on the table, but let's put it on the back burner. Let's make sure it's just like supplements for me. I don't believe that supplements, in fact, there's a lot of research to show that supplements don't actually, uh, improve mortality uh, necessarily, right? So you want to have all your, they're a supplement to a healthy lifestyle is what I'm trying to say. So in terms of testosterone, do you want to, do you want to sort of give people the, the, you know, what testosterone is that the high level, or do you just want to kind of go in or do you think they kind of understand that when we just kind of approach, you know, what to, how, yeah. how to improve levels and yeah i i think i have so much on testosterone that's why I'm, i just want to know where to go where to cherry pick whatever you think is most important that people understand because i okay. think the basics between that, that that dichotomy of testosterone versus estrogen men right. women all and you know it, how keeping those strong and healthy levels are are uh are a vital part of keeping the balance between man and woman on the planet right. um on a biochemical level, I think that is what people grasp generally. Yeah. If there's anything, any specifics we should know, I certainly don't know everything there is to know about it. I'd love to learn more. But uh, but more and most importantly, what people can be thinking about nutritionally and environmentally to, to help their body, uh, you know, normalize. Perfect. Okay. So, and actually, if you have that testosterone synthesis slide, that's really cool because it actually shows the relationship between the what testosterone is and its precursor raw material which is cholesterol which is another totally misunderstood molecule so again for the 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 30,000 of you testosterone plays a role in carbohydrate 
fat protein metabolism uh it for males it has a huge influence on body composition um the testosterone deficiency is associated with increase in fat mass um reduced insulin sensitivity and impaired glucose tolerance so you're, you're starting to think now okay what what else has an impairment in glucose tolerance type 2 diabetes mm. anything that involves you know dysregulated insulin type 2 diabetes um also elevations in triglycerides and uh, low levels of HDL, which are considered the good cholesterol, although I don't use those terms because there is no good or bad cholesterol. There's only one cholesterol molecule, and it's not good or bad. It's the precursor to all of your sex hormones. So that's, that's in a nutshell what testosterone does. Uh, and it is strongly associated. Most, most research I have found don't actually find, testosterone is supposed to increase in young adulthood, adolescence, and then it's relative, it's supposed to plateau. I've just, I just looked at a lot of this research over the past few weeks, and it's been fascinating for me because, Frank, part of the beauty of doing shows like this is that I feel like I'm a generalist, but when you ask me a question, I then become a sort of temporary, uh, temporary expert in that one thing right i cram all this information in my brain for this show but it's really interesting because i then retain certain percentages of it and i get to move along and onto something else but i learned a lot about testosterone in just doing some of this research so it actually plateaus and is not really supposed to dip later in life which tells me we're we're doing something dude I, well, let me just interject for a second there yeah. because we were talking about messaging that we go all throughout life with with meat and whatever that milk salt butter you know what's good what's bad a glass of wine a, a bottle of beer um when it comes to testosterone if you listen to and i still have a few radio stations from new york preset in my car because if a yankee game is on if there's anything else i want to listen to i hate I hate all of the advertising on radio in New York, especially for sports radio, because there it's everything is a cancer clinic. Yeah. And the other thing there is testosterone, male issues, ED. They come back and they say over and over again. I've heard this on Infowars. I've heard this on WABC. It's so it, it's alternative and mainstream media all over the place that around age thirty male testosterone production decreases about one to two percent a year so you're saying that there should actually where should that plateau be and how long should we plateau for so this is the, i mean this is the interesting question have we <laughs> this is such a huge topic because it's not it's not just testosterone related we make lab values for metabolic biomarkers based on the general population which is unhealthy 88% of Americans are metabolically unhealthy. That was a study from 2019. 88%. Okay? Hmm. So if you're making lab ranges, lab values, and assertions about what is normal based on the population, how do you know that's normal? The population is sick. So, so I, from the research I have seen recently, even if testosterone does dip a bit, it is not the plummeting values that these advertisements would have you believe they're they're trying to sell a supplement mm -hmm. right so let me just walk you through some of the things that i think are more related to it or at least as related so again i would want to have all these factors in in place and if we if we get all these lifestyle factors in place and then there's still a testosterone issue then we can look at replacement therapy, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I again, I'm not anti. Um, I just want to have all the ducks in a row first. So highly correlated with insulin resistance, low testosterone. In fact, that doctor that was presenting that I was just listening to a lecture of his, 
just presenting the graph on the lack of 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 a dip later in life was saying i almost i almost never find actually low when i test i don't actually find low testosterone what i what i'm what i'm finding is mostly it's central obesity and insulin resistance in these people that have low testosterone so again this could be an artifact so so you have that and that's again if 88 percent of americans are metabolically unhealthy they have some degree of insulin resistance and so likely they're also going to have an issue with um testosterone i'll also just say as a side note um because i thought you know because cholesterol is the parent compound to uh testosterone but cholesterol is also synthesized in this uh in the skin uh sorry uh, uh, vitamin d is, is synthesized from cholesterol as well so there's an interplay between vitamin D, cholesterol, and testosterone. And we are sort of obsessed in this culture with also reducing cholesterol. So I don't have any research to support this. And I just came up with this sort of thought yesterday as I was doing work on this and thought, I, I'm going to go have to look for this. But statins are a $1 trillion industry to lower cholesterol. And I just told you that cholesterol is the, is the, uh, um, is the raw material for producing testosterone. So if you are if you are uh, in- intentionally restricting cholesterol synthesis in the body, it would make sense Jeez. that you are also lowering testosterone without even realizing it. And, and statin drugs have a lot of problems downstream because, again, nothing in the body is, is, a, is a single thing that works in a single way. The pathway of cholesterol synthesis, I mean, CoQ10, all these other things that are critical for energy production, which is why people who take statins generally have muscle cramps and fatigue and brain fog and things like that. Low T may also be associated with that. Again, I don't have any research to back it up, but I'm just thinking through the biochemical pathways and thinking, well, (laughs) if you're restricting cholesterol levels to pathologically low levels, it would make sense that you don't have the raw materials to produce testosterone. So that's just something that I I was thinking about and and I want to research a little further. But but speaking about dietary fat. Just incredible. Just incredible, the factors. Right. Right. So, so I pulled two papers that are, are really cool. One from 1984 and then one from more recently from 2021. But they both found the same thing, which I thought was great. That in men, when you decrease dietary fat intake and even more importantly, when you increase the, de- the degree of unsaturated fatty acids. So you're now doing what the guidelines tell you to do, which is to consume all those heart healthy seed oils like canola oil, soybean oil, all the polyunsaturated fats and you reduce your saturated fats. This also correlated with uh, re- reductions in serum concentrations of androstene dione, testosterone, and free testosterone. So the lower fat diets, along with the increased ratio of polyunsaturated to saturated, decreased testosterone levels. So all the things they tell us to do, and this paper from 2021 found that they took two groups of people, they gave one a low fat diet, one a high fat diet, and they found that uh, a significant uh, decrease in sex hormones on the low fat versus the high fat diet. Jeez, again. So again, you're robbing raw materials. The body can only do so much with what it's given. So to me, you've got a confluence of events. You've got a metabolically unwell population. You've got dietary advice that has been quite, quite possibly the exact opposite of what we should have done. And then you have, I think, a third factor here, which is glyphosate. I mentioned that before. There is a protein that initiates the rate limiting step remember i told you cholesterol and then eventually it becomes testosterone so a cholesterol transport protein i'll, I'll tell you what it is and then we're just going to call it something else it's called the steroidogenic acute uh, regulatory protein we're going to call it star just to for ease of so the star protein is what helps initiate that cholesterol transport so that then cholesterol can be turned into a whole bunch of other sex hormones 
Well, guess what disrupts the star protein? Glyphosate. Mm. So again, you've got people eating non-organic diets, which again, I understand it if it's a money thing, but I'm just, I'm trying to explain why I promote organic foods. It's not just to be... Hoity-toity. Exactly. Right. <laughs> it has nothing to do with that, I promise. It's everything to do with the biochemical reasons why glyphosate is bad for the human body. So you've got glyphosate, which is ubiquitous. You've got low-fat diets, which are everywhere. You've got the fear of cholesterol. You've got insulin resistance. You've got chronic psychological distress. I found a 2015 paper that actually showed that in, in male rodents, you could induce low testosterone by exposing them to 100 decibels of noise over an extended period of time. So chronic stress can also... So does this, is this starting to sound like the picture of the, of the standard American lifestyle? This is, this, this is the standard Western European everything. Right. This is everything in, in the Western civilization. And then two more factors. I'll go real quick. We've got, we've got the debate about protein, whey versus soy, right? That's, that's like in the bodybuilding world. And in even people who say, well, soy is a complete protein. So my, your argument about you know, animal proteins being superior is usually about the fact that a plant protein is incomplete. Soy is a complete protein. Yes, it is. I will absolutely give you that. But this great little study done in 2013 took resistance-trained men, gave them 20 grams of either soy isolate or whey isolate after resistance training. And the soy group had a partial blunting of testosterone, whereas whey did not. And whey also helped Im improve the stress response uh, through, through cortisol factors. So there is, I'm just going to throw that out there because soy protein is sometimes touted as, hey, it's a great alternative because it's a complete protein. Well... The body doesn't respond to it the same way. So that's just the soy part of this. And then the final factor to me is sunlight, UV exposure. I went all the way back, Frank, for you to 1939. I found this study where this doctor took men and he measured their serum, testosterone, and, and then UV exposure to various body parts. And what he found was that even just five days of UV exposure, just enough on the chest area to, to facilitate reddening. Mm -hmm. You know, like you go outside in the sun, you get a little you yeah. get the sun. That was enough to increase testosterone by 120% over baseline. And then they removed that additional UV for eight days and the testosterone levels went back to initial levels, to baseline. So that tells me, of course, in nature, we are exposed. You don't go out in the sun one day and then, you know, spend the rest of the year in a cave. We are supposed to be chronically in nature. So our departure from nature and UV light and sunlight, which is another, what, what's another thing that everyone tells us, dermatologists, right? Slather on that UV 50, even if you're indoors, the, the SP, I've heard. It's like SPF 70. That's what I meant. Yeah, SPF 70. Yeah. Even if you're indoors, even if you're indoors, I, I've seen dermatologists recommending basically waking up in the morning and, and just, <laughs> you know, like brushing your teeth, just slather on the sunscreen. So, and, and just if you wanted to know, if you, if you put the UV light on your genitalia, you get a 200% increase in testosterone levels. So that tells me also a little bit about just Are you telling me the, the, the ball sunning might be, have something to it? Frank, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and tell you that the ball sunning might have something, the ball oh tanning might have something to gosh, it. Gosh, it's real? Yeah. But what about the, but not, not the, but not the, what about the perineum shit though? I mean. It may? I, it may. I mean, and it makes sense if you think but, about it, just from just from the perspective of we were always naked in nature, and right. clothing is something we. And, and I'm not advocating people run around naked in, in you know all the time, but but if you have the opportunity to get down to as little clothing as possible in the sun, please do it. 
please do it. Well, there's, there's a lot of people in this audience that, that live in parts of the country where they have acres and they could probably walk around naked and good for them. Absolutely. But a lot of us in, in suburbia would have the cops called on us. So, yeah, I mean, so that's where just, you know, going out in shorts without, you know, with, with, without a shirt on would be, you know, if, if you're a guy. If you're a female, a bathing suit. You could, that's plenty of sun exposure. Um, and then I'll just rattle off the last few things because these are things that, so now we talked about things that can improve testosterone, right? So we talked about some of the factors that impede testosterone production, uh, light, so sunlight or even UV therapy. I have a UV, I have a, a, uh, I have a red light therapy device that does near infrared and infrared light at home. I use it. It's great. Um, so I, I pulled these five studies. I'm not going to go through each of them, but I just wanted to let you know how impactful lifestyle is. So from 1983, Weightlifting in men found that men experienced a significant increase in testosterone after weightlifting. A 2001 study in women found that resistance training can temporarily increase testosterone and have an impact on fat distribution. From 2004, in a study in older men found that regular physical activity increased testosterone and growth hormone levels, as well as had a positive effect on brain function. 2012, uh, men who exercised regularly, well, this was linked with high testosterone levels over men who were sedentary. It didn't work out at all. And finally, from 2016, this is a great one. Men with obesity, it was found that regular exercise did more to increase testosterone levels even than losing weight. Wow. So exercise was that potent. So what do we do? We exercise. We get outside. We eat a natural diet full of natural animal fats. We get rid of these polyunsaturated fats from the diet. And... We ignore the food compass because essentially the food compass is a recipe also for low testosterone. So I'm, when it comes to working out, is it, is it resistance? Yeah. Okay. That's because what it seems like. There, there's some conflicting evidence there, but it seems like resistance training is far more potent in terms of increasing testosterone. Yeah, because I know just from the early days of me hanging out and working out in gyms, uh, obviously, everybody's resistance training in there, moving free weights and whatnot. But uh, it, when uh, among that crowd, it was you got to do legs, bro. You got to do legs. It releases more testosterone. And now I know, it, and and I've I've kept a, uh, an eye out on studies that have to do with just testosterone boosts boosting for lower. Uh, half workouts and it seems like it was negligible it really just it really just does seem like um, full body obviously you should work out your legs and you have to do a, a, a balanced uh, workout there for equilibrium and everything else and you know support of your 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 skeletal structure but it just seems like there needs to be a, a physical exertion that goes beyond the point of comfort yeah, you're, I mean, as far as I know, that's bro science. That's not true because the, 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 it's the Leydig cells in the testes that produce testosterone and, and, a, and a marginal amount from the adrenal gland. So muscle mass, it doesn't, it doesn't increase testosterone output necessarily. But, or at least I haven't seen the research on it, I should say. But by proxy, if you increase muscle mass overall and the legs are huge, legs and chest for guys, you know, you're, you're talking about a lot of muscle. Muscle is a glucose sink. So you by increasing muscle mass, you are increasing insulin sensitivity. And what did I tell you before? That insulin resistance is associated with low testosterone. Mm. So yep. there's definitely something to that in a roundabout way, but it's not a direct correlation between, well, if I work out my legs, I'm going to produce more testosterone. That's not necessarily true. In fact, one of the uh, studies that I was reading, this, this personal trainer from Germany had almost undetectable testosterone levels. He had an actual pathology in in the Leydig cells in the testes that almost completely, but, but he had plenty of muscle mass, but he had almost no testosterone. 
Jeez. So, so, so yeah. and, and was he able to normalize through anything other than injections? I wasn't able to get through the the whole 19 pages of the study. <laughs> it, it, it almost seems like counter uh, yeah. counterintuitive that somebody can even achieve that kind of muscle mass if they have right. zero free floating te- or free uh, floating testosterone. Right. That's why I think they're not entirely related the way we think. And and also I'll say what was really interesting about the group of researchers that were studying this particular athlete is that they were also correlating uh this is super cool so do you know that what, what did he abuse steroids to to achieve no, no no he was actually also a medical student so he was, he was very educated on the whole process and he was the one who initially brought himself to get tested for testosterone because he had no sex drive he had no none of the things that you would normally associate with testosterone but he did have muscle mass yeah because i, I as we all know even even from following professional athletes like Jose Canseco, anybody right. else, or, or, or all of these new age bodybuilders who are very open about their their use. They've been doing it for so long at this point that they need to stay on yeah. because their body has naturally shut down and delegated um, delegated all of its testosterone production to pharmaceuticals. Yeah. That's obviously, yeah, that's which definitely. I, which would be really scary if I was a somebody in that position and we did have some kind of a societal collapse. Where are you getting your testosterone from <laughs> if, the, if the supply chain goes down? Right, it's right. It's like one thing after another. Yeah, yeah. And so and the, these researchers also, ju- just to put, you know, the testosterone, go to your original point, which was sort of the the desire to squash this supposed toxic masculinity, right? And obviously that's associated with testosterone because we think testosterone is, is for aggression. Well, this group of researchers found that that's not necessarily true. And as always, nothing, nothing in the body does one thing. So while testosterone may be associated with certain aggressive behaviors, it was also associated with other things like they did this really cool study where they put men they gave some men a testosterone injection for a little extra testosterone, and they kept some men at baseline. At, they were the same at baseline. And they found that the increased testosterone also made the men more generous, especially when being observed by women. So they were starting to think, oh, this may be actually part of the social, uh, the social paradigm that we create. So it's possible that testosterone actually also... Uh, is useful in spatial recognition and mathematics. They found that children exposed to more testosterone in the womb had better, they, they actually followed these children in the womb and then all the way through birth, uh, after birth and through certain, I can't remember how many years of life, maybe up to 10. And so they're finding that testosterone is, is associated with many other things other than just the typical male aggression that people think. Um, again, the body wouldn't wouldn't create one, well, that tells, you know, one hormone for one thing. So. Right, Yeah, and, and what that tells me at least, um, is maybe you know, generosity uh, that that also tells me that maybe with an increase in in um, in testosterone versus the control group, you're just seeing people that are a little bit more. I don't know. Uh, I, I guess they, you know, the people call it beer muscles when you when you have a couple of drinks and all of a sudden you you feel like you can take on the world. Right. But I, I guess testosterone and that whole alpha mentality, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily a, a mentality where uh, I, where you you, you want to just dominate everybody around right. you? It's just that you are completely secure in your place, right. and 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 uh, and you can just act a little bit more freely, a little bit more confident. Now, obviously, that that's something that anybody can tap into. Yeah. But but you know there has to be some kind of a physical impact from a a biochemical yes. you know injection. And they also said that that while testosterone influences personality, they also found that personality can 
influence testosterone levels. So it's just not as simple as as we think. And and what's what's uh, there's a cool little test if your if your uh, index finger is shorter than your ring finger. Uh, that's how to know the level of testosterone you were exposed to uh, in the womb. And so women generally have a longer index finger, and men usually have a longer ring finger. Mm-hmm. Um, so just I mean I I thought the research was fascinating. I I could have my, spent my longest you know, my longest finger is my pinky. Is that is that <laughs> what's going on? We're gonna, to, we're gonna have to talk offline. About that, just, Frank. This, this, this muscle is wrong. wrong. <laughs> Shit. So that's uh, yeah. So that's what I have for you on testosterone. I think really ultimately it comes down to lifestyle. I mean, for, uh, everything comes down to lifestyle. If we are out in the sun, if we are eating a natural diet, if we are keeping ourselves metabolically healthy, we are moving our body. Uh, you know, we are we are most likely, unless there's a pathology involved, always leaving that aside. Most likely, we're gonna have our testosterone levels are going to be just fine throughout the aging process and and uh that's correlated with a longer life so well i have more questions for you on the other side uh one involving a couple from about milk and we've talked about milk before but there are just more questions that keep popping up for me and some are coming right most of them are actually coming from or inspired by things that uh messages that have been sent in by the audience so when we come back i want to finish up with that it's already 8 11 I, I feel like we need three hours every time you come <laughs> in but I, it's fine because you leave people wanting more and we always have an abundance of topics to go to but we will be right back ladies and gents uh it's intermission so go and grab yourself a drink um grab yourself a i don't know what the hell it is just be back in about a minute and a half and we will be here to continue this there's not much left but it's so good it's just so damn good don't miss it be right back welcome to intermission we'll we'll be right back Quite frankly. 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 We all support quite frankly. Not quite. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. Yeah. Quite frankly, in Roma, Italia. Quite frankly, you're going on Frank's show tonight? I really like you. You're very smart. So everybody watch. Quite frankly. With Frank. Quite frankly. 
dare you. On the other side of the break now. Okay, it's 8.14 p.m. And I want to go right into these Super Chats because then I want to get into another big string of topics without... I don't want to run the risk of having to leave them off. So we're going right to the Super Chats. That is a quite frankly Super Chat com and the first one in is from Stostube. Stostube, Christos and Sarah says, "Great show tonight. Thank you, Jay and Frank. We always appreciate when Jay is on. I know, I know, a lot of people do. Um, you know, there is uh, this. You can you can tell that uh, there is a need, and there is a really there's a hunger for this kind of information. These talks we can't talk." Republican versus Democrat, deep state this and well, civil war that every night. You can't do it. And this is one of those areas that we have got. We've got to make sure that we check the boxes off and do as frequently as possible because this all ties in nutrition, the um, outlook on health and our mentality and everything else like that. This is the real this is where the rubber really meets the road in enjoying your life despite what's going on around us. So um, I'm glad that we keep doing this and I'm glad that we've made good friends in the field because it uh, it's a hell of a lot more intriguing when you can ask a question and get just the fire hose of information coming back at you. <laughs> but here you go. Stickman Mike says, Hey, Frank and Jay, could you elaborate on supplements versus vitamins? I take several vitamins, but I don't think of them as supplements. Am I wrong in thinking that? Great show. What do you think, Jay? Uh, I mean, I guess it's a technicality. Anything that supplements your diet is technically a supplement, but certainly if you're consuming vitamins, you're also getting them from food. So... That's a good question, and, and I think it's okay. I mean, I think I always want to start with the diet, whole foods, because the food matrix is a big part of, of what we don't understand about food, you know, how the compounds work together rather than in isolation. But I'm okay with, with vitamins, uh, especially if there's something that's not quite making its way into your diet. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, it's just a technicality because I take magnesium, and that's a mineral, but is it also a supplement? I mean, it says supplement on the bag. So, you know, I, I yeah, but, but I, I, I get the point and I think, um, again, always whole food first and then supplements are just that. They just supplement uh, a healthy diet and a healthy lifestyle. And that would just really be an, an advantage of living in the modern day. Whereas, yeah. you know. Yeah, I mean, our soil isn't what it used to be, so we're not getting the nutrients from food. So, so I'm not uh, anti-supplement at all. I take some supplements. Um, I always just, again, just try to get it from food first and then supplement second. Here's a great question coming up from Irina. And Irina asks, would Jay give the same advice to women, specifically when it comes to fasting? I've read that most studies on fasting have been done on men and are not beneficial for women hormonally would love some thoughts on that oh great question uh totally true most of the studies are done on men um but there's there's a lot more research coming on women now which is great um i would say that anybody can fast women just have to pay a little bit more attention because of the 
differences in hormones. Um, also, women go through more defined stages of life. For instance, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily want a pregnant or breastfeeding woman to fast. Again, define fasting, right? This is really important. If you're just talking about you know, uh, going to bed, having dinner at eight o'clock at night, and then not having breakfast until eight in the morning. I mean, that's a 12 hour fast. So we just, I, I think we have to get the terminology straight. I wouldn't want a woman to do in that state to do a long-term fast. And if I have a female do a fast, I monitor things a little bit more closely because there are more variables, but I know a ton of women who do amazing with fasting. So totally true about the studies being mostly done on men. Uh, I would just say if you're going to fast as a woman, you probably just have to be a little bit more in tune with your body and and be willing to experiment a little bit more. And as we talked maybe a little bit offline, oh no, at the very beginning of the show, be willing to experiment and understand that it may be a little bit of a process until you can hone in on exactly what's going to work for you. But But I don't think any human being should be uh, excluded from fasting unless it's a temporary thing because of, again, a pregnancy or breastfeeding or something like that. Mm, mm. Um, uh, also, uh, well, when you say you have to monitor things, is that more so something that they should do with a nutritionist or, or they, and what are, what are they exactly monitoring a specific, a specific, um, uh, a, hor a hormone or, or I don't know what. I mean, they can certainly, uh, but I would also just, you can do a lot by how you feel. Um, certainly things like thyroid function, you know, people tend to attack fasting because, or even low carb diets because they think, you know, it's an issue for the thyroid. But I think the thyroid is more affected by other conditions, uh, by other de nutrient deficiencies and other gut issues. So I'm not quick to jump on the fasting or low carb causes uh, hypothyroid. I think there's a lot more to it. Um, so I would just want to make sure that, you know, maybe some blood sugar testing because that can be done at home. Um, and then, you know, if you're going to go to see the doctor a couple times a year, just getting a full lab workup and being able to look at some of the thyroid hormones and things like that and just to understand what's happening. And then again, to ask them, so how are you feeling? You know, are you more energetic? Are you less energetic? Those things are important. Fasting should should help improve cognition. It should help provide you actually with energy and it should change your relationship with food. It shouldn't it shouldn't be a draw. Fasting is also, I should say this, really important that it's a it's a stress. There's no doubt it's a stress. But as, it, as is everything in life, there's a hormetic response or a biphasic curve where a little bit of a stress is positive, too much is negative. If you're in your, a point in your life where everything is falling apart, you're getting divorced, you lost your job, you probably shouldn't be fasting. It's just going to be an added stress and it's too much for your body. But if everything is cool and you're feeling good and you're trying to you know, change your body composition or you're trying to get a little bit more of a cognitive benefit or help your metabolic health or longevity then fasting is a, is, a, is a tool and a stress that you can implement in a positive way. So that's really important to, to note. That's great. Okay. Uh, Jenna, Jenna Bobina says, Hey, Frank, great to have you back. Hi, Jay. How about that? Uh, how about that shout out? Great show, you guys. Love you all. Oh, that's got to be that's got to be Gina from South Carolina. Oh, Gina, Gina, who made me want, who said yes, give me a shout out. So there you go, Gina, Gina Bobina. Now that makes me. That oh, makes see, sense. I didn't know the name. Well, there you go. Well, well it's it's spelled J E N A. Yes. And I have quite a few Jennas in my life, and I know you know one N away from a Jenna. But anyhow, she's wonderful. And you know, I just got to say, I don't want to interrupt too long, but the your audience has been fantastic to me since I started coming, you know, on the show and. I've, ha I've just gotten some amazing messages from people who 
sometimes you don't realize who you reach. And I just started, I just start getting these messages sometimes about people who implemented things that I've talked about. And obviously this isn't medical advice or even designed to be a one size fits all because I am actually the opposite of that approach. I am a very bio individual practitioner. I don't say sweeping things across the board, just do this, just do that. I mean, there are some things that that are sort of not debatable. Like, yeah, being outside is healthy for every human being because that's how we're wired. But I take a very individual approach. And so when people take on these lifestyle changes and they tell me, the other day, somebody said I, I uh, or this morning actually, <laughs> was uh, they had a, they had progressed further than they had with their endocrinologist over the past five years with just implementing some low carb carnivore type dietary advice with their thyroid. I just, it's amazing. It's amazing. So that's fi- five years of working with an endocrinologist, and what in the last how how long? I mean, I've only I only the first time I was on your show was last, last uh, October, so it hasn't even been a year that I've been with your audience so, so oh this is just from little bits of advice gleaned yeah. from these shows yeah this isn't a client five this is, years this is one of wow. your this is one of your uh, audience members that's that's tremendous that messaged me and said i've improved my health dramatically uh, on the west coast just by watching you and listening to your conversations with frank and you know thanked me endlessly and it was really a touching uh message and i i try to respond to everybody and it's just sometimes it gets a little overwhelming and i but i really even if it takes me a week or two if i don't get back to you i either missed the message or something but i really really until i can't possibly do it anymore i try to personally get back to everybody i un- i know you what know? you mean i know and and those messages really make everything worth it yeah. they really are and yeah. i i here's a, here's a, Here's the one right here. Uh, Abe, uh, producer of the show, just wrote to me. says, uh, Frank, I'm going to need Jay to give me a new detailed diet regimen and <laughs> meal schedule for the rest of my life. <laughs> do you think he can do that by the end of the show? Tell him no pressure. Oh, yeah. We okay. got we got 36 minutes. Okay, we got it. Uh, okay. Abe, Abe, challenge me next time. Yeah. <laughs> give, him, give, him, give him a challenge. <laughs> American Girl says, hey, Frank, I remember commercials like that Gina Tay ad. I was born in the 70s and uh, the kid, <laughs> teen in the 80s, early 90s. It was a great time to grow up. So fun to be a girl and guys were unapologetically guys. Great movies, fun fashion, fantastic music. Yes, and the testosterone was flowing. Hey, well, who was the name of that super chatter? That was American Girl. American Girl. Do you remember the, I'm going to throw my perfume into the mix for uh, Kathy Hochul. Exclamation. Exclamation. I, I don't know it. <laughs> so I was very young. So th- this must have been the, the thing that teenagers, you know, around my age at that time were 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 wearing i just remember it smelling like a skunk to me and it came in a black and white container the 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 bottle was round and it, and the black sort of it, like it was in the shape of like an exclamation point so any of the females out there if you know what i'm talking about i just please don't wear it it, it, sm- it smells terrible but i believe that's what ha- kathy hogel wears well, ex- exclamation so one, i'm not sure if anybody knows there's but. at least one person who thinks that exclamation smells good <laughs> but, but i'll tell you something there's, there's bio-individuality there there's all yeah, bio-individuality <laughs> there's a lot of people out there who love um eternity and okay. and eternity i I don't even know if my opinion on eternity was mine. It's I just knew that when somebody smelled it and I started learning what eternity smells like, because I think some of my, my grandmother that just passed away in, in February used to wear it from time to time. And whenever she would, my mother would get the worst migraines. Like, oh, like interesting. Her head would split in two. Right. My mom already had migraine 
problems, real bad ones. We should talk about that one night, migraines, if, you, if there's anything to talk oh, about. Oh, man, there's, there's, there's endless things to talk I, about. I can't tell you how many times I have memories as early as five, six years old of a family coming to watch us in the middle of the night because she has to go to the hospital. And yeah, I mean, we went to the, she was, spent so much time at the migraine center in Stanford, Connecticut. Anyway. I can't walk by a Yankee candle because it's too much. <laughs> I, dude, it's, 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 a, it's a big one. And yeah. it's things like that will trigger it for people. Yeah. Eternity was one of those things that triggered it for my mother. So I think by osmosis, I was just like, yeah, eternity. It smells terrible. Eternity is no good. <laughs> but, um, but either way, she goes, uh, here's another, a little more we have. Um, Sue P. says, what are Jay's thoughts in, on lipo B and lipo C shots? What's your thoughts about lipo B and lipo C shots? What are those? I'm not sure. Are they are they in Li- like liposomal vitamin like C or vitamin B? I'd have to imagine like you know, vitamin B shots and vitamin C shots. Uh, but lipo, I think liposomal C, I take that or- orally. Yeah, that's an oral thing. Um I'm not I'm not sure. Maybe we can get more clarification and I'll 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 be happy to answer it or, or go to my Instagram and and DM me uh, uh you know a more a little bit more detail, and I'll be happy to answer it. Or, and uh, you can always email me, too, because I forward things like that to Jay all the time, yeah. and we put it in the feeder for future shows. Sure. Um, scented candle. Okay, you're going to like this one. <laughs> this is from four hours ago, so before the show started. Scented candle says, what does Kathy Hochul smell like? As <laughs> someone who spent decades selling perfume, you are right. It would be something floral, probably pleasures... <laughs> By Estee Lauder or <laughs> Happy by Clinique. All bad. Oh man! I, now I, you know I want to smell these things now. You know I think Kathy Hochul smells like Yankee Candle. That like just a mishmash of every yeah, an attack on these senses. I think that's what she smells like. Do we have any Yankee Candle former or current employees here <laughs> that can tell us about prolonged working environment in Yankee Candle? Because I know that after oh, a wow. while you just don't you don't smell what's going on. And and as a consumer, it's very weird. Because as you walk by Yankee Candle in the Galleria years ago, um, you will be blown back like it was a bomb. <laughs> but as you go into you go into the store to pick up, you know, like a uh, a vanilla crisp candle for somebody for Christmas or something like that, um, it, it becomes surprisingly more manageable. I just wonder what someone who has worked in one of those stores huffing that stuff for five years comes out if there's any like lingering problems you get desensitization is a bad thing and so i have to imagine that especially because i don't think those some of those fragrances potentially may be toxic you know they're just commercial candles they're not you know the only candles i have in my house are made of actual beeswax so you know because because candles can give off a lot of uh, toxicity jay when was the last time you did something really dangerous like had a soda Oh, I, I know I've asked you that about uh, that before. <laughs> when was the last time you had a uh, uh, a half a pint of Hagen Dazs instead of making your own ice cream? I was just gonna say I make my own ice cream. <laughs> yeah, forget about yeah. I know, forget about all that. When have you done something dangerous? <laughs> when was the last time? You put me on the spot, Frank. I don't even know. I mean, I, I I've been in school for years, Frank. Uh, that was dangerous. <laughs> that <laughs> was dangerous. All, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Does it count as walking the streets of New York City nowadays? I guess. I mean, hey, <laughs> I'm just thinking, I, I don't know. I, I'm just thinking, you know, the last time you, you, I don't know, I had a slice of Velveeta cheese uh, two and a half years ago at a party and, you know. You know what's so weird? I would rather, I would rather bungee jump or skydive now at this point than, than and it's not, I, 
I honestly, Frank, I honestly don't feel like I'm missing out on anything. I honestly don't. I can sit here and tell you that I have no desire to go through a drive-thru to McDonald's and, you know, reacquaint myself with a triple quarter pounder. Or, you know, I mean, I guess maybe I, I would say pizza. Because, I mean, I do make a carnivore pizza that is badass. Mm. And it's delicious. The crust is just basically egg, cheese, and meat. Hell yeah. <clears throat> that it, sounds great. It's, it's fantastic. And it's so filling. You can you make a barroom-sized pizza, and you can't you can't finish that. It's too much protein. Um, but so maybe I would say, you know, maybe I having like an old school, you know, slice of pizza might be something that I might miss but but i don't i don't really miss it so i'm saying i guess i'm saying i could do it um like a dairy queen right those things are full of crap but dairy queens were delicious i mean i grew up a half a mile from a dairy queen so i could walk to it yeah um so things like that uh what do they what do they sell they they, they sell those hurricane what are they called blizzards the the the, the strawberry cheesecake blizzards (laughs) yeah they always put candy in them heath bar m&m whatever yeah i mean those are fantastic uh but again i can make one now with you know, chocolate protein powder and some things. And all of a sudden I'm like, wow, I actually, I don't remember the last time I had a blizzard, but I don't really miss it because this has the same texture. It has the same everything. I don't know. When it comes to nutrition, man, it's one of those things where once you learn things, it's just so hard to go back. The burden of, of, of knowledge. That's the only area that that's, you know, that I, that I feel like that, but it's a big area because food is something that we all have in common. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, okay, let me see a little bit more if we have anything else here. Then we go on to some other things because now it's eight thirty, and I have a big thing to uh, bring up. Mama Time Lord says, "Please ask Jay uh, what Jay would do for super low platelet count. Already, I already fast twenty two, uh, twenty to twenty two hours a day, or, or you know twenty two hours to four, you know whatever." Um, huh. So already a big faster and low platelet count. Maybe we, that's another one that we keep on the side. Uh, Mama Time Lord, send me this an email, and I want to I want to get this all together because I also need to maintain the last thirty minutes that we have. Send that to me, and I'm going to make sure that Jay has some time to research it and think about it. Yeah, yeah, I would love to. I mean, I again, I love to answer these questions, and sometimes. Uh, yeah, sometimes it just requires a little bit of refresher. So I have some thoughts, but I don't want to just throw them out there. So I'd rather I'd rather have a, a detailed explanation backed by research for you. So I'd be happy to do it. Great, great, great. Um, here we have, let's see here. American Girl comes back again, says the the red meat con- uh, uh, conversion. I exercise at red, oh, wait, wait, I exercise, eat red meat and fast. My sisters don't. They they uh, uh, scold me about meat consumption. I've had co- coronavirus before. It had name uh, before it had a name in 2019, mm. and I've not been sick since. <laughs> they are vegans. They've been sick four times. <laughs> it definitely speaks for itself. Um, Let me tell you something. I haven't been sick since 2019 either. Wow. And I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, the anecdotal evidence is profound. And I don't mean to pick on vegans, but it's a nutrient-deficient diet unless you do a massive amount of supplementation. Mm. And I don't think that supplements, again, are as good as whole foods. So I have a bias. I'm always upfront with my bias. But when I hear people exercise, spend time in nature, eat nutrient-dense foods, they tend to just be healthier, period. Um, Here's a little bit more. Dixie says, curious about yogurt and egg allergies. Love this. Okay. 
yogurt and egg allergies. Let's also set that one aside. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly a thing, but I also go back to any allergies because I was an allergy baby. I was allergic to everything when I was born, and now I have no allergies. So the body can heal, and I've done a ton of healing. We were talking about allergies earlier today. Mm -hmm. I've even healed my environmental allergies with using fermented foods and raw kefir and things like that. Well, like, I, like during pollen pollen season? Yeah, I don't have any more. Al- and I, will, I, I went for those, you know, those scratch tests where they, and I had every allergy under the sun. I'm not even allergic to cats anymore, and that has been a lifelong allergy. I, I got to say, usually around late April into May, there and when the, all that green swarmy pollen is, is just everywhere, the last couple of years I have had some real bad weeks where the eyes I feel like I have this tension headache that won't go away yep. and it just it just beats you down. This year I was already starting to tinker with the fasting, but I've also been consistently since last fall, I have been consistent with taking things like quercetin and the zinc and and all the other immune the quercetin mm-hmm. alone. Mm-hmm. I, I read is is huge for allergy yeah. for for helping out with allergies it's, environmental allergies like pollen yeah. so that was I have to accredit it at least some of that I only had like two weird days and I just uh, days where I just felt like a ton of bricks hit me and I went and I irrigated my na- my nasal passages and slugged a uh, a liter of salt water and I was I was ready to fucking take on the world <laughs> and that was my yeah. allergy season this year it was great yeah gut healing uh nu- nutrient density providing the body with the things that it needs and uh it's it's incredible what it can do and i i truly think that that is why so many of these things that are natural are either suppressed or even or even vilified uh and it's not conspiracy it's a business model eliminate competition there's nothing more competitive to a, the pharmaceutical industry than natural products um, I have a little uh, one thing over here. Let's see. Um, the last one is, is this. This is going to lead us right into everything else that I wanted to talk about in the second half. And I think we might have to just keep the fake human embryos aside because it's already eight thirty-four. <laughs> uh, but Lucky says, "Hi, Uncle Frank. I am wondering <laughs> if you have a good protein powder suggestion. I have started to lift again. Would love a recommendation. Thanks. Now I don't know what what Jay would recommend, but I'll tell you what I use, and I sent it to Jay, and he gave me the thumbs up. Uh, this is on NSP. They're not sponsors of mine. I'm not going to get a toaster." if you go and buy anything from them. But I found this website through Matt because Matt is a big fan of Vince Gironda. And uh, Vince Gironda is a, a legend in, in bodybuilding circles. He's since passed away. But anyway, here is nspnutrition.com. This is what I use. It's a 92% milk and egg protein. You get t- the one scoop is the tw- is 26 grams of protein. Uh, there's practically zero sugar in it, zero carb carbohydrate in it, and you mix it with. I take this J with eight ounces of half and half instead of milk because it cuts down even more on the sugar, and it is so delicious. Every once in a while, I'll put a a banana into it um, to if I wanted to make it even more of a you know, uh, maybe like a replacement, but I just, I have this a couple of hours after I work out before I leave the studio, leave for the studio at 5.30. And it's just been working out nicely for me and it's just not, it's not jammed full of any of that uh, artificial shit and I've liked it for a couple of years now. Um, 
You you have any? I mean, that, yeah, I don't. I use a variety of brands, but I always just say look for grass fed, look for organic. If you can find one that's third party tested, some of them are. Like uh, I always, I love Mike Adams because he tests all his stuff in his lab, so he has a whey protein powder. It's unflavored, so you can add it to anything. Um, Grass-fed, organic, third-party tested, uh, that's pretty much... Oh, yeah, and then, of course, yes, you got to look for any other ingredients. They always stick some kind of artificial sweetener or something. I always... If it's not monk fruit or stevia, which the stevia thing is going to have to be... We'll have to go into that another day. I'm still doing some research on that as to how good or bad, but, but stevia and monk fruit are the only two sweeteners that I will allow in those. So you got to stay away from sucralose and aspartame and yeah. all those things. Oh, sucralose, that, <clears throat> that, that, that tricked me for years. Yeah. I, I thought it was just sucrose. Yeah. 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 Right. Right. Yeah. And it's I, very clever. And I said, Oh, Oh, I can't, I actually can't digest this. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, yeah. And I, and just for, to let you also let you know with that, what I take with the NSP thing that also requires two raw eggs milked, uh, uh, worked into it. So, um, when all said and done, it's like 36 grams of protein, and it's just it's very filling, very satisfying to, to drink, and um, it requires raw eggs. I, I always thought that was that was nice. Now, mm-hmm. I want to use this as a transition in the little time that we have left. I had this article that I found a couple of weeks ago, or whenever it was. It was just back in August, and I said I'm I'm setting this aside for for Jay, and I, I know that this will be a great transition into a couple of things I have about milk. Here's the headline. I'm sure people have seen things like this over the last few years a lot. Scientists say cockroach milk is three times more nutritious than cow's milk. Now, obviously, uh, it's cockroach juice. It's just probably annihilated cockroaches, and I, I don't know, but they're, they're, they're turning... It, it's just terrible what's going on with all the, the bug shit. Uh, without getting into that, ultimately, we, we know that to even debate the virtue of eating bugs and drinking bug juice is an exercise in futility. This is meant to be dehumanizing. It's not a breakthrough. It's not a Jenny Craig fad diet. This is an integral piece of the transformation of our species. But I would like to ask you some questions because I still get uh, some pushback on on milk from people who are otherwise very woke about things. And they, I, I, I would like to ask you about cow's milk, raw milk versus pasteurized first. But um, I don't know. I, it, I keep, I keep thinking about Jack Lalanne. Jack Lalanne used to say that you should not be drinking milk because you don't have a four-chambered stomach like a calf does, and that ultimately raw milk or any kind of milk is not good for human adults. Um, I, I wonder what you th- what you th- uh, think about that. Well, the four chamber stomach would have nothing to do with the digestion of milk. Okay. So I, you know, that's how ruminant animals turn roughage into essential nutrients for them to build muscle and bone structure. So I don't know. He might have just not been educated on that. Um, pasteurized versus raw. There's not even a question. I don't. Pasteurized milk is largely useless. I think it's stripped of most of its vitamin and mineral content and 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 its beneficial bacteria. Raw dairy is a completely different animal. So while I'm not the greatest advocate for milk in general, I just never actually really even loved the taste of it. I much prefer the fermented dairy because then you get the additional not only raw fermented dairy you get the the additional benefit of the uh, of the beneficial bacteria so mm-hmm. kefir yogurts things like that um, 
you, you know, a lot of those enzymes are still intact for digestion. I think I, I might've been on this show last time where I was talking about kefir actually helping to uh, improve lactose intolerance in lactose intolerant people. So it's, it can actually even be used as a therapy. And I attribute that to some degree to what I use to help heal my gut in terms of allergies. Because once I found that farm, that Weston A. Price inspired farm, I, I have two to three quarts of raw goat kefir in my refrigerator at all times. And I have a few ounces every single day. And if you like, I mean, it's bitter. So some people don't like the taste of it. So I guess then you could say milk, but raw is absolutely the, the, it's a quintessential, uh, building food. That's what I would say. Mm. And that's why probably people think, you know, you shouldn't be consuming that much milk because you know, you're not a, you're not a calf. I understand that. I get it. Which is why I, I would I would even concede that and say fine if you if you if you love milk go raw if you if you don't really like milk but you want all the benefits of dairy just go to yogurt and kefir it is it is hard to argue the place that those foods have had in ancestral diets okay so that's the way I approach it I, I always go for fermented because you get the additional benefits of the bacteria um, and always go raw because the pasteurization process is designed to kill all those things yeah so. You know, Jack Lalane. I, I always, I always loved his uh, his energy when he was still, even oh, when yeah. he was still alive. Yeah. Because when we were in high school, he was still doing pull-ups for you know Men's Health magazine at age eighty something, whatever the hell it was. Yeah. But he also had a, he also had another another saying that I, I didn't particularly like because I think it was like a grim way of living. He said, "If it tastes good, spit it out." Yeah, see, that's, that, that's, I, the old, that's the old paradigm that needs to go away because l- between you and I, nothing tastes better than a grass-fed steak with butter and some, you know, so that's, but that's that old school paradigm of thinking, well, if it tastes good, it must be bad for you. No, we're, we're natural animals. We're designed to seek out flavor. I mean, th- those kinds of things matter to human beings. It's just that we've now had our palates hijacked by highly processed foods that manipulate us in a way that natural foods couldn't. So we have gone so far away that things like steak or broccoli or whatever may not taste good to the average person because they're used to, they grow up with cereal and process, you know, crackers and cookies and all these things that are designed to be hyper palatable. So you've got to remove that. That's another thing that takes time, your taste buds to reset. Then all of a sudden, look, you finish a 48 hour fast, you will crave, you won't crave Doritos. You won't crave any of those things. You will crave, you know, a steak. I'm already thinking about what I'm going to eat on Friday. Well, I I understand too, that from his, his standpoint, it was probably a a, a, a well-meaning exaggeration. Ice obvious, cream or things like that. Yeah, yeah. obviously, you know, ice cream, a Snickers bar. Yeah, it's objectively a pleasant tasting, but it's 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 death. You know. Yeah, totally. And I just Cell, at least cellular death. Right. It would just need to be fleshed out a little bit because yeah, because again, natural foods. But see, when you strip the fat away from all the healthy foods, you also remove the flavor. So when you strip the fat away, what do you have to add in? You have to add in sugar. Oh, I, I, th- that was one of the the first ob- observations I've ever been able to ingrain uh, in my in myself from from young like oh because you know when you're younger you are pretty much with your your grandmother's house your home wherever you are you are going to try to raid somebody else's refrigerator <laughs> right what do they have for me to snack on and when i would find i i remember finding like low fat briar's yogurt in my <laughs> 
in my or low fat even things like low fat devil dogs i ate that stuff like shit like, like things that are already shit although if you take a devil dog i haven't had a devil dog in a long time <laughs> you take a devil dog you take out the cream in the middle and you replace it with ice cream and it is just so damn good yeah i'm sure anyway <laughs> anytime my I'm grandmother fasted, frank i'm fasting over I here i know i'm trying not, <laughs> try not to screw with you but anytime i would go to my grandmother's or someplace and i would find low fat stuff um at first when i was i didn't know any better i would go and i try it and i'd be like this sucks i yeah. mean there's something about the, the low fat yogurt sucks when i look for the cottage cheeses i look for like eight percent Mm -hmm. I mean, as mm -hmm. high the fat percentage it is, yeah. when I find whole milk, mm -hmm. I don't care at this point. Even if there's no fruit in it, I just grab. F that's part of fat. It's a vitamin delivery system. The fat-soluble vitamins, A, D, E, and K. It's, it, is, it improves the taste of food, and it is natural. Again, talking about natural fats from animals, not the plant oils that are called vegetable oils that don't come from vegetables. So it's really important to understand we're talking about healthy fats. I'm even okay with, again, with healthy carbohydrates. I'm just not for refined fats and refined carbohydrates. Those need to make their way out of your diet, and you will you will reap the benefits in so many ways if you begin to do that. Mm. Um, that's uh, Now, I have a couple. Uh, let me go to my Super Chats one more time, mm -hmm. 845, because then I have a question here from some audience. Fredo Awakening says, my girlfriend just did the finger test turns out she's a dude <laughs> Th thanks thanks jay sorry man <laughs> the bearer of bad news tonight you, you just don't know anymore <laughs> everybody's got a double check but she may be very generous which is a good which is a good uh you know that's it. silver lining that and and you know what your girlfriend just became your roommate that's, <laughs> that's all and you, you gotta start from scratch that sucks but whatever uh hello kitty says frank removing the https worked thanks uh yes from quite frankly superchat.com i took the http out on this the um the episode description on youtube i don't know why youtube breaks the links when you write it out completely so that they can be clickable but i bought that url for people who want to contribute to the show on or off air because it was easy to remember so you can just write it in anywhere so always remember that quite frankly superchat.com it is Self-explanatory. Thank you, Kitty. Uh, Duku Dan says, Frank, I have celiac disease. Please ask Jay if celiac disease can be reversed. Thank you. Whew. <clears throat> Anything can be reversed, uh, but it, it depends on so many factors. And the, f and the first thing you would do, obviously, is find a practitioner that is really highly experienced with gut health. Now, you will read that celiac is not reversible, but... But I have seen, and I have professors who have worked on patients where they've been able to get the antibody levels down to an unmeasurable level. So, so then it just becomes a semantic argument as to whether you have celiac anymore. And, now, and they, they would be able to tolerate gluten to a certain degree? No, but all, no, 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 no. But, but all the other factors would be mitigated to, to the point where they could just live their life. But, but most likely they would still have to, I mean, in some ways, I know this is, I don't mean this to be flip, but. In some ways, celiac can be a blessing because it, it, it does keep you away from certain things that I just don't think really benefit the human body in terms of the diet anyway. So I wouldn't wish an autoimmune disease on anybody, but there are certain things that come up for people that, that can lead them on a path to health that they may never otherwise would have gone down. So removing, I mean, I, I choose to remove grains 
even though I don't have celiac. I have the genes, actually. I have the, I have a genetic predisposition towards celiac. Mm. But, but I would say that, yeah, you, you may need, you may be able to though get to a point where you can eat the highest quality grains, like we were talking about before, like the sort of traditional organic sprouted sourdough bread. If it's true celiac and it's truly an autoimmune disease, um, it just depends on the level, how long you've had it, how high the antibodies are. So there's there's a lot of factors there, but, but what I'll tell you is with a lot of gut work, um, you can really have virtually no of the none of the symptoms that really cause problems for people with celiac. I've had a few celiac clients and it's really detrimental and, and it's tough to worry about food all the time. But yeah. if you do a lot of gut work, you can get you can get around it in a, in a big way and you can have you can have a relatively normal life. Well, Dan, I would say just keep uh, keep up with everything that's that uh, Jay puts out on his Instagram and uh, in that all the updates that he puts out on his practice because I mean maybe you can even get a consultation with him one day who knows but he hits so many different types of subjects on his on his feeds that um, it would be good just to to do that in the meantime Um, yes cacao Justin a good man with a great family says this show is best listening to while sunning balls <laughs> question for Jay how to teach body awesome uh, uh, how to teach body awareness sensitivity uh, about what's good for you and what's bad is Oof. that is that a little bit more along the lines of how are you feeling right now how are you affected are you, is your energy being sapped or bolstered or um, what do you think about that yeah I and, mean I- I, I took that a little bit as the as well I guess it depends on the, the the person asking the question but in other words to say that because you are not optimally healthy at the moment that doesn't mean that you're sick I'm very careful to not treat people like like they have an affliction mm-hmm. right I, I always just think you just haven't arrived at optimal health yet <laughs> that's the way I try to approach it I'm not I'm not sure if that's the direction the question was going but you know for instance like I deal every day with people who are clinically obese but we don't treat it like it's something some kind of you know it's it's like we're just on the path towards getting healthier so that that's the way i try to approach it there's no stigma because i understand that 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 the public has been essentially lied to for decades about nutrition so if i didn't take all this time to study what i study like i told you i used to eat low-fat oreos and i used to proclaim their virtues to people oh there's so much better for you. This I knew nothing about what I was talking about. Uh, I was a complete moron. So that just goes to show you, all you have to do is put in the effort if you want to understand what's going on. So I've made a complete 180 degree change from earlier in my life. So, so I am highly sensitive to people and where they are. And while I try to create an example for people, and, and I don't baby them to the point where I say, it's okay if you have Twinkies every morning. No, it's not okay. But I also understand that that you've been lied to your whole life and so we've got to get you back on the path to health. So I hope that answers the question. I, I wasn't quite sure where they were going with that, but but I, I you know I really well, do try to be sensitive to the individual. That that that's a guy, Justin, you should talk to one day. You I've have, seen him on the show before. I, I, I hear his products are fantastic. Oh they they are. Yeah. They really are. I mean you should take a look at the, the ingredients, the, yeah. the creation process. Yeah, yeah. It's wonderful. I think you guys would get along uh, famously. Big fan of dark chocolates. So. Yeah. Oh yeah well they 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 do it well over there, and they're always formulating new product ideas at Yes Cacao. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and both of you guys are on my affiliates page, so yes. quite frankly, TV affiliates, everything you need. Um, I, now I have a couple of questions here that we're going to have to save for the next time. Um, Matt 
wrote into the show a Matt, not Matt that sits here from time <laughs> to time. Matt says this, and I and I just sent this to you in email, Jay, so we can put this on on the back burner for next time. Matt says, "Hey Frank, can you ask Jay if he's familiar at all with the metabolic typing diet?" Uh, if so, what is his thoughts? Is it, uh, it is heralded as the reason why certain diets work for some and not others based on identifying things like oxidative rate and mm. whether a person are, whether the person are parasympathetic or sympathetic dominant. Um, yeah. so well, well, let's get into that because that's very interesting. And I think there's a lot to it. I, I mean, addressing, that, addressing someone's metabolism at at a given time with specific foods does have a lot of merit. Uh, would that be a topic that we might be able to marry with the old... I, well, it's not an old idea. There's still people that, that uh, really stick to this. Um, dieting based on blood, blood type. type. yeah. Because I used to look into what I should be... You know, how is this going to work out for me? So I still know a lot about AB positive yeah. blood type uh, you know diet so is that something that would go together in a conversation it's a little different but i think we could tie them in together i one of one of the professors at my school was the guy who created the blood type diet so, oh okay so i could i have some i have some cool uh powerpoints from him and the second thing here i have is again which is not going to make the cut for tonight it seems because i want you to talk about the event in martha's vineyard um it is uh, bee pollen yeah, I have a quite you know uh, great for allergies. Great for allergies. Yeah, so yeah. we got to talk about that. And since allergy season is still about five or six months away, we we or or a little bit more at this point, we should be um, we should be good with that. But yeah. Jay, before we leave, because I'm going to be giving some really good plugs for this event through the throughout the rest of September, since it's coming up at the uh, in the beginning part of October, mm -hmm. you have an event, a health event that you have put together with limited availability for people to come out to spend some time with you and some of your colleagues out in Martha's Vineyard. Um, tell everybody what's going on, the time, the day, what's going to be provided, because uh, I know that it's, it's limited engagement, and I would love for some people in this audience to go make the trek and hang out with you. Yeah, I mean, this is really the first moment that I can bring perpetual health into the real world. And that was the whole idea. Most people have heard the plan I have is to bring everything to New Hampshire because I feel like, particularly in this part of the country, in the Northeast, it's the freest state and it also has access to all of the n natural things that I want people to experience. Mm -hmm. So the next best thing was until I can, you know, and I've told you, we were actively fi looking for land and property and farms. But until that can happen, this retreat on Martha's Vineyard was a chance to bring, the last two years have separated all of us, have put us into Zoom boxes and, you know, taking classes through Zoom. And not that that's without merit, not without merit, but the idea of the ancestral health retreat is to really combat what's been going on the last couple of years. So we have limited space because the building only has so many bedrooms. Um, and so when people come, they're going to get some formal and informal lectures. So what we do here, they're gonna, they're gonna get presentations on a few key topics that I think are super timely and really interesting. We're gonna be, for beginners, it's gonna be high level, but also for people who already have studied maybe biochemistry, we're gonna dig into some of the nerdier things. I also have, we, we, we have people that are going to be doing if you want to do a cold plunge, if you want to do a sauna, if you want to experience a red light therapy, all the things that we've talked about here that help improve health, they will be there for you to experience and wow. have somebody to help guide you through. So if you're afraid about doing a cold plunge, but you really want to do it, we have somebody there that will help you with the breathing and talking you through that whole process. Wow. Grounding, meditation, yoga, primal flow, functional movement exercises. Um, we're thinking about having a movie night. Um, 
finding something that's very timely in terms of the food system and the the corruption and you know I, I try to keep it I'm, I'm trying to keep this event as fast food nation or Farmageddon or something that something that I really want to tie into like the food the, the the food supply crisis the being food sovereign um, you know really preparing people for what's coming because people still don't realize that the food shortage that we're about to experience was because the planting season this past spring didn't go the way it should have so we haven't experienced the shortage yet it's coming in the fall winter and and that's what I'm more concerned about the prices are already starting to go up but I'm concerned about the actual shortages so we want to arm people with the knowledge to be able to overcome that Eat the chef is even going to have do a little class on how to prepare leftovers like to really maximize leftovers for people who don't like leftovers we're really going to try to touch on everything. Plus, give a ton of free time for people to explore Martha's Vineyard. So you pay for the ticket, and it gives you the room and board and the food. You don't have to pay another dime for anything. You're just there. You get to have all the experiences. And I'm also planning on not sleeping that whole weekend, so I want to give people access to me that whole time. So I want you to think of it as a chance to have a consult. In fact, what I was thinking about doing, we only have about 10 spots left. So what I was thinking about doing was for the first five people that sign up from your show, I was also thinking about giving a free 30 minute consult to the first five people that show up. Now that could be virtual, that could be at the retreat, that could be, you know, in person if they happen to live, you know, we could work that out. And let me also but, just say, <clears throat> when is, what is the, the dates on this? Sure. So. It's October 6th through the 9th. The, the best thing to do is to go to my Instagram page because in my bio is the link to all my other social medias and the website, which on the landing page of the website has all the information. So it's October 6th through the 9th. So it's Thursday evening, all day Friday, all day Saturday. And then we're going to do a little breakfast and have you guys out on Sunday by noon. Um, but it's, it's jam-packed, but it's also there's a ton of room for breathing because a lot of people that go to these events think there's a little bit too much information and I want people to be able to explore. I mean, Martha's Vineyard is a beautiful, I've only been there once and it was gorgeous. So I want people to be able to go out and experience the island as well. So it's really going to be a quintessential New England experience with all of this health education, like, like Chris Ann was talking about last night, a chance to bottom up fix the problem that we have in this country and to really make yourself bulletproof for what's coming. I love the idea. I lo First of all, I have to, I have to just say <clears throat> there is only one reason that I'm not going to be there because <laughs> I was so excited about being there with Lauren and the baby yeah. and maybe even bring some of the guys up. Mm -hmm. But um, this is, that was a weekend that we had already planned a couple of months out of our little, our yearly retreat into the Adirondacks. Mm -hmm. So we're going to be just recently setting grounding ourselves in the mountains somewhere else yeah. and I just and I tried to get everybody to reschedule but it's conflicting with people's work schedules sure. I was so upset Jay I want to be here so bad <laughs> but that's why I'm going to really lay that and if it happens again I will yeah um oh it's going to happen again I just don't know if it'll happen again on Martha's Vineyard but if it fills up and people like that experience on the island as it, as opposed to up in the woods of New Hampshire we would be totally open to doing another one there so it'll be based on on the guest feedback so well, we'll the fact that you're doing things that are not only just informational but uh demonstrative where, where yeah. people are going to be able to take these cold bath plunges if they want, yeah. red light therapy. 
are you going to be with, with the cold bath uh, the cold bath stuff are you going to be um, doing almost like Wim Hof breath work kind of sure stuff? yeah oh shit I, yeah. This, this, that's going to be great and you only got 10 spots left yeah I'm going to make sure that I get you some good plugs on this because I can't wait to hear the feedback from people who are there. I would, lo- I mean, I would love to see it as an opportunity for some of your audience members, not just to meet me, but to meet each other, to be able to, you know, you've got, you've got people that have existed in chat rooms maybe for years. So I would just love to see people, you know, get there and to be able to meet each other. And I, I'm, I'm assuming that the community there is going to be just fantastic. It's going to be small. It's going to be intimate. So there is going to be time for myself, for the other practitioners to answer questions. Again, we want to make ourselves available so people can really leave with some actionable steps. Um, we have some resources. I, I'm, I'm putting together resources for grass-fed meats online and in-person farms. You know, I'm just putting a whole bunch of things together for people when they leave. They really feel like, okay, I know I've now been immersed in this experience. I know what I can bring back to my own life. Maybe I'll buy a red light device because I really like that. Or maybe I'll go to this farm that, that, that has been vetted by Jay. You know, So those kinds of things we're going to give people to take home with them. And that's the idea is just to build your audience into a, a bulletproof crew that will be with us for the long haul because we're going to need it. Yeah. No, I, uh, I, I, like, I, I like that a lot. I really do. And um, where, where do people go to, to check out what you have going on and to even sign up? So again, so you can sign up directly from the website, which is perpetualhealth.co. But if you go to my Instagram page where I'm super, super active, which is perpetualhealthco, in the link tree, the bio there, you've got access to everything, the website, the link tree, uh, sorry, the, all the other social media sites. So you can access it either way through perpetualhealth.co or the Instagram page, perpetualhealthco. All the information will be there. If you're confused about anything, just DM me, um, you know, subscribe to the website. We put out a little newsletter and, uh, you know, we would love to have, and you know, the other thing I'll say real quick, because I know we're, we're, we're out of time, is that if, you know, we did this specifically not to make money. And I know that sounds funny and I don't usually divulge this kind of information, but it's more about the experience. So I want people to understand that if we break even, it's a massive success. If there's a dime made, every dime of that goes towards buying the ultimate destination retreat, which you will all be able to reap the benefits of. So Mm. this is really like a crowdsourcing event. This is not a money-making event. I, I truly to the core of my being do this because I want to improve people's lives and I want the people that are there to have an amazing experience and so I invite the feedback I invite the interaction and I hope that you spend the I hope I don't get an ounce of sleep that week and I hope people are just asking me questions and and constantly engaging because that's really what I want for this event so yeah well it sounds like it's that the first big stepping stone to your dream of the new Hampshire facility which yeah. I can't wait I, I can't wait for all that and yeah. I, I'm glad that we're all on the same we're all riding on the same path here, and it's uh, it's an it's as you said before, harkening back to talks I've had with people like Chris Ann Hall. It is all contributing to a future that is separate from the insanity. And, and she will be someone that I would be bringing up to that kind of a place because this is about the total human experience, not just nutrition. So people like her are are exactly what this world needs to help educate us on how to remain sovereign not just food sovereign but sovereign as human beings so i uh guests like her are going to be the perfect example of the kind of thing we're going to have at the ultimate destination 
Okay. Well, I, I'm uh, I'm once again, once again, having a great a great night here with you, Jay, and I can't wait for the next time. Uh, I knew that this was going to be a great first week back because it was just one familiar guest with a variety of topics after another. And uh, and thank you for everything. I'm going. I'm just going to go take a real quick piss. No, I'm going to take a real quick, <laughs> real quick look through all the super chats and make sure that we are up to date. I'll jump into this foxhole for a second. Hello, Kitty. We got her in there. We're all good with the superchat.com. Uh, remember, ladies and gentlemen, I I forgot to tell you about this, but here's our uh, the set list and one of my almost destroyed drumsticks. It's just about to split into two oh boy. drumsticks from the last the last uh, gig that we had in August. I told you I was going to raffle that off. I'm going to cut off the raffling tomorrow. So everybody who has given a a super chat since I have to go check out what the date was until tomorrow at midnight um the, you guys will be in on it and then I will announce the winner on the 12th I did not forget about that just a lot has happened a uh, vacation on top of it and so I just want to say thank you to Curious Patriot on Foxhole that's on quitefrankly.tv Sean Joe uh Boys Blanc Carrie Lake says, I've enjoyed you for years. Thank you. Uh, Boys Blanc says, great show with Adeline Dilly. Thank you. I always have a great time with those two. They're my boys. Witchy Poo 22. Witchy Poo 22 says, I'll have a cookie or four. Um, Khaleesi, great health show. Frank Staint says, what about, uh, what about taint sunning? Does that help testosterone and bowel movements? Asking for a friend. We already got to that. Mm -hmm. And apparently... <sighs> it it probably does. Uh, I never I never want to cede any ground to these weird hippies that just like showing their balls and asshole to people because uh, you know it's just something very oddly sexual for them. But it there it it, it could be true. <laughs> All right, moving on. <laughs> Stosoup says no cookies tonight, brother. Straight for the shades, considering the show topic. Look at that. Look at how in tune they are. Thank you, Stosoup. Um, fuck. P-H-U-C-K says, Frank, you're the best. You think uh, you think you could interview Joe Biden for 30 minutes with a straight face. <laughs> interview him for 30 minutes with a straight face. It, well, it wouldn't be an interview. It would be very weird. I don't know what it would be. Could it, he sit upright for 30 minutes? It would almost be like talking to one of the dancing uh, animals at Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> You know, uh, <laughs> if they haven't been pre-programmed to do something that responds to you, it's going to be very, uh, I don't know, irrelevant. Uh, Rook Castle says, ask Jay what he would do for a Klondike, Klondike bar. Obviously, absolutely nothing. Nothing. You can't, <laughs> you, you, you can't, buy you can't budge all. me. <laughs> uh, Kitty Woo, thank you. Uh, Witchy Poo, a whole bunch of other cookies. Thank you, guys and gals. Kay Landry. Have you or Jay heard of uh, Shilajit? If so, what are your thoughts? I don't know what that is, but I'm going to take it. Yeah, Kay, uh, email the show so I don't forget about it and I can look into it. C. Blanche says, nighttime here, uh, medium or low fluorescent sack light? I don't know. Uh Oh, sack, sack light, sack. You nut sack. Okay. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't know if a fluorescent is not necessarily what you're looking for. You're looking for a UV light. Yeah. And I would say start off with low. 
Um, start off on low power if you're going to you're gonna titrate do. your way up. Yeah, work your way up. All right. Well, I'm releasing this. The um, I'm releasing the scratching over there on Foxhole. Hope everybody's enjoyed themselves. Thank you to everybody over there on Quite Frankly Superchat.com. Everyone on Rumble. Everyone on Rockfin. On Theta. On Twitch. On D Live on YouTube, you have been absolutely wonderful to me and to Jay. Jay, thanks again for all your work. I can't wait to help you uh, help you out get that um, that event out there. And we have to get you on the books for. I don't know. I don't want to wait until before Thanksgiving. We got to do something maybe before Halloween. Well, let's. Yeah, I mean, once the retreat's over, I'm going to have a lot more time, and maybe I'll bring by some pate. Yeah, yeah, pate. Maybe because of Halloween being a major candy Halloween, we can talk about nature's candies, oh. and you can talk about. We, we can do things, you know, things that are guilt-free to eat that will make your, I don't know, your taste buds scream for more. Sure. Happy All right. To- all right. That that's an idea, and then we'll have them back for all the eating holidays. <laughs> to, t- <laughs> to ruin everybody's life. <laughs> to dissuade you from enjoying yourself. I don't think that you're going to, I don't know. That's too big of a wave for you to beat back, my friend. <laughs> That's like stopping the tides, but you will do your best. Yeah. All right, guys and gals, I'll see you tomorrow night. It's Friday. Corey Daniel will be on with us. We're going to be talking about some kooky, kooky stuff. I can't wait. It's going to lead us into a kooky weekend, which we will be broadcasting almost throughout. So... Thank you, everybody, and I will see you then. Go to perpetualhealth.co. Go to quitefrankly.tv. Have a blast. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite Frankly is filmed before a live studio audience and now our super chatters. Starting with Hello Kitty SKS, Dooku Dan, Yes Cacao, Mama Time Lord, Lucky, Dixie, American Girl, Stostube, Stickman Mike, Irina, Gina Gina Bobina, American Girl, Sue P, and Scented Candle. Thank you guys so much. Thank you guys so much. We will talk soon, and uh, I'll see you at 7 o'clock tomorrow. a psychiatrist yeah you know because i got suspended and everything they sent you to a psychiatrist yeah but that's crazy that's all nonsense that's nothing but a, a racket for the jews